How are you? Uh, you know, I'm feeling slightly under the weather, so I just got some vitamin C here in the oh, form no. of a screwdriver. Excellent. Excellent. So we're both just gulp deeply. We're both drinking some sort of fruity vodka concoctions. Youth mango juice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, drink deeply. I, I, I think everyone on this podcast wants Benjamin Light to show up. Oh, is he not here yet? I don't know. You're under the weather. Get, let's get out from under that weather. Maybe Show I'm, up. Let's do it. I'm Benjamin Dark right now. Uh, anyway, are you ready to start? Yeah, I'm ready to start. <laughs> That's your secret. You're always Benjamin Dark. <laughs> Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. How are you, Benjamin Light? I'm good. All that was in the po- all of that was in the podcast, right? All of that right. that little Most preamble. Yeah. We'll okay. let people right wonder on. what wasn't in the podcast. <laughs> Mostly me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You who never listens. <laughs> I mean, I could put anything in there. I mean, I guess somebody might tweet at you about it. I like, would what the not... fuck was this? I would not be shocked if you did. Hmm. Maybe I have. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to assume based on some of the tweets I've gotten so far, but mm. you know, that's really about you. That's the kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. Um, well, today on the pod, we said we were going to be talking about Now You See Me. We're not. We lied. <laughs> There's your magic trick. Well, I don't know if it's lying so much as uh, preemptively not telling the truth. Um we changed I, uh, our minds. Go ahead. See, I got I got about halfway through, and now you see me too. So, and I got your text. In I was your like, "Fucking face." Okay. <laughs> well, I was just. Thinking, I think we'll come back to it. We'll yeah, no, we'll we'll it. do it later. I was just thinking, Avengers: Infinity War will come out like in two weeks from now, ish. Like, it basically aligns up like we do Avengers this week, Age of Ultron next week, and the third one. That's it's not all the Marvel movies, which is a huge thing to bite off, but it's it's like a little mini Marvel thing, which feels yeah. right. Um, it's not like so I now you see after, me needs to happen right away, you know. Oh, it does. Uh, I feel like after um, not Ultron, uh, Infinity War, maybe we'll do a couple other things, and then I guess we can dive into Marvel Phase One. It'll just be gloriously out of order. Would we just not do the Avengers then? I mean, I suppose we could. Well, I think we could probably talk about it a little bit if we wanted to at the end of, was it the first Captain America one? Yeah, I don't know. We we'll could see. probably, we'll, we'll see I mean, I don't know feel. if you want to like, like revisit the movie fully, but like we could probably just tack it on, you know, before or after when we or talk just about tell people the- go, go listen to the Avengers podcast, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's very rare that we've ever, like really gone and like rewatched a movie for podcast, maybe the star Wars movies. You mean like twice? Yeah. Like twice, like actually cut them twice, Mm -hmm. not like play the same episode twice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I feel like people can figure out by using their podcast app if they want to, you know, slot in the Avengers after we talked about like the phase one movies, they can just go back and listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, before we talk about the Avengers, though, I want to talk about We Are Here, a short film directed by Mr. Troy and Belisario. 
written and directed or written, I should say, by Mr. and Mrs. Troy and Belsario. Uh, before we talk about that, so what did you what did you get from your tweet about Truth or Dude? Like, is the ending of that movie like super bonkers or what? Truth or Dude? I'm yeah, not, I'm not co-signing that. That's no. Yeah, too late. Too late. You know uh, what I'm talking about. I did not get any responses one way or the other. Oh, darn. So I don't know. I, I could just Google it and swallow myself. I don't know. I have debated going to see it today, but and I just got busy doing writing and other stuff, so I didn't. I almost pulled the trigger and went, and then I was just like, I I don't want to, I don't like those movies. It just doesn't look pleasant to me, I guess. I don't know. It, it just, it seems yeah. like there's a, an aspect of like, kind of like cruelty between human beings and like forcing, like the, the thing where it's like, you have to break my hand with this hammer. Like, I don't want to watch that. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go see it. Well, and just, it made, it like, made good money for a horror I'm movie, like, so. I'm like already like bored by the uh, the love triangle between like Lucy and like Jesse Quick in the uh, in the trailer, and the guy who's from like I don't know like a Teen Wolf or something. No one's showing up to see this guy. No, definitely not. Uh, anyway, maybe so, maybe I will see it for next week. But yes, uh, speaking of other PLL alums, creative works, we are here. I just watched this like a half hour ago. I, I assume you've probably seen it earlier than that. Mm-hmm. I watched it. I don't know, like a day or two. Maybe the maybe the next day after they released it. Okay. I was curious. Uh, what'd you think? I, I liked it. It was very. I don't want to use the word interesting because that's such a boring way to describe it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very evocative. I was impressed at how much storytelling they were able to accomplish with very minimal dialogue most of it was just about either reactions or kind of like visual juxtapositions of things uh, i think it's definitely a good showcase for a director um you know to kind of like show what they're capable of i think it's mm-hmm. i i haven't read like i know they did like you know some like various like kind of like press and instagram stories and that kind of stuff for it i haven't like followed any of that so i don't know what they had to say about it i feel like there's a lot of possible interpretations here i don't know if they've offered a correct one or not i almost hope they haven't because i feel like there's different ways you could interpret it um as far as what's going on with the characters no i mean basically all they talked about is like yes it is a slightly post-apocalyptic world or you know after some kind of disaster and uh it kind of belies their concerns about bringing a child into this world but also like the larger ecological issues that face us that we don't talk about. See, but even then I feel like you could watch this and think they're stranded on a desert Island. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, I'm always impressed when you can successfully uh, carry a long period of time. Cause it, it, it's short, but it feels leisurely in places where it's just a single actor doing something like it's a process. Or if you can just really, watch them emoting while while doing something and yeah it's definitely like a showcase for uh patrick j adams i as a director and as a star i i hope that they're going to expand upon this into maybe like uh you know an indie feature at some point i think that could be very interesting well i guess i should ask you what do you think was going on in this uh my mind you you know i I have like conflicting interpretations, but you know, if you had to pick one, 
what would you say is going on? So the one that seemed to be whispering in my ear the whole time is that she's she's not there, or it's imagined, or what have you, and that she actually spoilers as fuck, by the way, that she potentially passed away during childbirth. Um, I don't really know how I feel about that or because because you're definitely getting him remembering a, at least a, a birthing sequence, whether it was successful or not, while they're doing stuff. And he's there's a certain point where he just like tunes her out. And then we get the full on flashback during the the sex scene. Well, I mean, I, I guess you're child. you're interpreting that as a flashback, I guess you would say. I mean, it could be it could be the reverse where, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I mean, well, for, in the filmmaking language, though, I feel like they're implying it's it's a flashback that he's, you know, trying to avoid, but he's carrying it with him. I can see that interpretation. I guess I my conflicting thoughts on this are that one, like either the the child or the mother is dead, and I go back and forth as to which one I think is dead, um, because there are suggestions that maybe the child like drowned. And the mother found the body at one point. Like there's certain, mm-hmm. there's like this one reaction shot of Troy on the beach there, looking horrified. Um, that kind of makes me see that reading. Also, in the supposed flashback where she's giving birth, she's wearing the necklace that he made for her. Mm. And so, I don't know. You know, like is is the whole thing with him finding that weird like piece of machinery and pulling the little washer off? Was that him? you know, making the necklace for the first time, or did he find that? And was he then reminded of the necklace that she made type of thing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The whole bit in the, the uh, kind of little makeshift graveyard. I mean, I, I like that you can have different readings on it. You know, I think this is very much, I, I, I'm sure they have a specific one. I'm curious as to whether or not they've shared it with people. I hope they don't. I think I yeah. think you're right there. It's it's just I mean from the very beginning though the movie makes sure you know that we're very much like in his head whether literally or, mm-hmm. or you know figuratively and I enjoyed that. I mean it's who else are you going to be stuck with, you know, at the end of the world? I mean yourself? It, it definitely had this kind of like surreal quality like at first in in my interpretation of watching it, it seems like he's walking on eggshells around her. But then after a while, it mm-hmm. seems like the reverse, really. And like he's the, like because they both seem like very broken people at different points in the movie. Um, and you definitely you kind of get the sense mm-hmm. that like, you know, I suppose you could say they're not talking to each other because one of them's not real. But you could also say that like maybe they don't have much left to say to each other. Like we don't know how long they've been living this way, but. Right. Well, see- and also there may not be a, a relationship might evolve to not needing language as much at this point as well it's a lot of just looks yeah the lack of language doesn't necessarily mean problems it doesn't Um, necessarily not mean problems though either which is what i like no but i i think i think yeah but i think it's like it's there's an element of what do you want to read into it Mm -hmm. and i think that will kind of flavor your your view uh i was watching for a while wondering if perhaps like they weren't romantic at the start of it, but like, then she kind of like took the next step. I don't know if that's quite supported. Cause she's like, kind of like rubbing her nose against his on the beach. But, um, you could maybe see it as something where like, they've just been living together for a long time. And this is them finally kind of 
you know, choosing I'm, to become romantic. I'm trying to remember because I it's it was like two, three weeks since I've seen it. Don't they doesn't he wake up in bed next to her? He wakes up in bed. You could think he's next to her, but you don't see her. So like you hear her voice saying, Where'd you go? But you don't see her. It's just him in bed. So it's you know, he could be waking up alone because she's dead and, and she's like a figment of his imagination or something else. Mm. It's interesting the things if she is half ghost, half memory, half hallucination, half, you know, salve to make him feel better. It's interesting, like the times that this apparition of her chooses to talk. They're very interesting when they work together. Cause I mean, we went and saw the play in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have I, I a, like a doing... familiarity and a comfortableness with themselves that it's harder for other actors to achieve, obviously, because they're not married, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, but they're also, they, they managed to achieve something. It's kind of interesting in a, in a almost a quiet place kind of way where you have, these two people it's almost the well except for you know what's her name didn't write co-write quiet place but like it's almost the same as that situation i was going to say i i definitely like the more sure hand of patrick j adams like direction i then then who then i was going to say um feed it was my problem with feed is i felt like the direction okay then the then that doc danger guy yeah oh this was much more artistic which Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's an entirely fair comparison between the two, but um, this does seem like a more sure hand, I guess I would say, yeah. Do you think, like, they just found some of the stuff off the coast of whatever this island is in Canada? Or, like, like could there possibly, like, be, like, money scrounged together to, like, get a, a half-sunk ship off the coast there? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't even think about that, to be honest. Um, I just kind of accepted it, like, oh, yeah, sure, there's a weird ship out there. I mean, it, well, it's such I, a perfect image to get you in the the right mood of whatever this world is. I like the we are here sped out in like wood logs or whatever in the background. Yeah. That was a nice little touch. That scene that seems like the work of a, a confident filmmaker, I guess I would say, because a lot of times you'd want to like have the wide shot to show it just to make sure people got that. And instead mm-hmm. it was like, no, you're just you're going to have to be paying attention for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'd like to see more from obviously both them together, possibly, but I I think this could be very interesting expanded. I don't know if they'd want to though. I almost feel like it's kind of like a a complete idea as it is now. I mean, I liked the kind of subtle storytelling. Like at first, when they went out onto the beach, I was thinking like, oh wait, do they come here every day? Like how are they not scavenge all this stuff? But then it's like, oh maybe it's all washing up here from something, you know? And this is just like the refuse. Like, what did you think? He seems to imply that when he talks about more, more trash, more garbage. Yeah. Either there's a very emotional read to that, like, never mind this thing that I was so emotionally attached to before. Now I think it's garbage. Or I took like shit washes ashore. What did you think he found there? Was it actually just trash? Was it like a body or? Oh, they, there's no way of knowing. It's obviously mm-hmm. something he doesn't want her to see. It they, seems like. I could see the kid being dead just because it seems like there is this unspoken trauma between them that they're kind mm-hmm. of dancing around like and she like at one point when she hears the wolves and she smiles and she's happy to hear kind of, you know, life, I guess. Um, and he's just like very grim and like uncaring about it. And so she starts to cry like that just makes me wonder if like 
there's this kind of tragedy between them that they just like haven't been able to get past. Yeah. Anyway, um, I would I would recommend people watching this. It's like two bucks on Vimeo. You know, it's worth the two dollars. I think it'd be fair to say. Um, if you like have interesting, more what's the word I'm looking for? Less like straightforward, more kind of artistic type of filmmaking. I'd say this is this would be up your alley. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, support these if you like these people. Support these people. You know. They'll make more projects like this. And it's uh, it's 20 minutes long. You got a nice little film there. It takes its time. It never feels like short or long, though. I feel like it was paced pretty well. No, it's very good about making sure to be... I say the word leisure. I don't mean that in a negative way. But like you're definitely going along on a certain kind of journey with them. You're definitely in a certain kind of mood. All right. Yeah. Well, now we're going to talk about the Avengers. Do you have an opening statement for Marvel's The Avengers as it's titled? Yeah. Or is it is it Avengers Assemble in England? Something I think like that, that because um, of the uh, original Avengers movie. Yeah, and the TV show. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into a lot of this in discussion, but my general thoughts, you know, as we get the red off of our ledger and talk about this, is I... Honestly, when I was rewatching this, I have maybe seen this movie three times. This is maybe the fourth, like third and a half. I don't Seriously? know. Seriously, that's it. And they were all the previous times were very close. Yeah, they're pretty very close to. I honestly, I saw it. I think twice in the theater, and then I saw it once on DVD. That's it. Um, wow, interesting. I've seen it many more times than that. So, but to a certain extent, it's definitely like a different style of Marvel films now in the Russo brothers and even just getting into age of Ultron when we get to that next week. But, um, it feels like it's five years later. It's definitely a different style movie. Uh, this movie kind of, I know I talked about a lot in fifth wave. It kind of reminded me a little bit of an eighties movie in this, uh, like the dream of this kind of movie as a vision in the eighties, with the technology to make it happen now. Um, and the movie's very good at like throwing some things at you. And some of them might have been explained in a previous movie. And some of them might be explained 10 years later in a movie coming out in two weeks. Or maybe not. But I think they just trust you to get that. And I kind of respect that about this movie. It has a lot of fucking moving parts. And it's like, just just hold on and just enjoy it. Uh, Joss Whedon's definitely a filmmaker. But I would say that he errs more towards like being a screenwriter than a director with a style. Uh so I guess I would end my my very very brief thoughts with two questions. One, what the fuck is the draw of Zach Penn to studios? And two, is Chris Evans wearing a wig in this movie? I think number two is a no. Um, really? Okay. They don't think that you could get a wig that's that short. I don't know. Where did you think he was wearing a wig? Uh, I was just like in some of the the action scenes but also in some of the, like the scenes where he's just yelling like in like Robert Downey Jr's face i was just like looking at his hair and the way it like would move or not move at all i just thought hey, god it looks synthetic it could just be hairspray i don't know i don't, I don't know i don't have I don't necessarily have right wig dar but that is a piece of man meat i was watching a little bit of civil war last night goddamn is he is he the same kind of man meat here i mean he has the whole too tight t-shirt thing going but his biceps aren't quite as absurdly sculpted oh. as they are in uh, Civil War. And it's not that he's like so hugely bulky as much as he's just kind of like 
like he's not like the rock or like schwarzenegger where it's like he looks like grotesque it's like the biceps are just the the platonic ideal of like a a working out buff dude that's why i kind of like his his outfit in this one like he seems like very slim in it in a way oh i hate but i was expecting this, but i'll get to that later <laughs> well I, I, have, I have i have pros and cons with it but like uh who's how would you rank your hunks would you say that chris uh, evans is your number in this movie? Put, put a pin on that let me do my opening statement and then we can do our, our rating of hunks um okay i think this movie is more likable than it is good my hot take is that age of ultron is actually the better movie um yes. i think this movie really coasts along on some good dialogue and some novel character interactions the plot is fairly thin and there's a whole lot of like techno babble and speechifying to kind of cover it up so you don't really notice um and there are definitely some parts where I think Whedon gets a little bit too indulgent, but the novelty of seeing all these superheroes cross over together on screen is so powerful. Like we'd never seen this before that you really just kind of forgive a lot of the flaws here and just enjoy the ride. Um, it's funny now to think what a paradigm shift this movie was in the kind of blockbuster movie business and how few other franchises have managed to duplicate its success. Like I'm not sure any have really like, has there been any other kind of successful cinematic universe if you want to call it that i mean i don't really count star wars because it's not the same thing um besides that i don't know if there is any really i, mean, I guess they're trying to do it with that like monster universe but the the whole king kong godzilla one but yeah the dceu is a complete failure um the spider universe, universe never got off the ground yeah there, there's eventually there's going to be a godzilla versus king kong movie mm. And so, like, the Dark Universe is definitely dead, right? It seems like it. Yeah, what a clusterfuck that was. Uh, mm. But, yeah, I don't know. This It's an enjoyable movie. If I watch it and don't pay too close of attention, I have a good time. But there's a lot of little, like, weedy things here and there that, like, start to get on my nerves. After. I've also seen this movie a lot. Like, I probably saw this movie, I'm going to say, at least five times in the theater, just, like, going with various people. Um, and then like, mm-hmm. this is a movie, like I've probably just put on a lot and watched at home it just it, having it on in the background or, you know, like watching it while checking my phone, that kind of thing. So I've seen it a ton mm-hmm. and it probably doesn't hold up as well to repeated viewings. I would say, no, I, I think you're, I think you're dead on. I think this movie gets an extreme pass and it's like, you know, don't push too hard because that pass will start to wither. I mean, I feel like uh, Age of Ultron is the kind of movie where you watch it more and you kind of understand and see more what he was going for. And it doesn't all mm-hmm. work, but you kind of see the ideas behind it. Whereas this, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is, you're just, this is like a con where you're just talking really fast and I don't understand what you're saying. And I just go with it, you know? This movie makes me feel bad for everyone, including Zack Snyder, but mostly Joss Whedon for being involved with Justice League because it just seems like the most rote fan fiction y like pale imitation of this. I mean cut, I think cut it's to bold. the homeless just, guy with the newspaper. It, it, just, I tried. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like Joss Whedon's real strength in this is a lot of like he really knows how to like turn a phrase or pack a couple phrases together to, to build an emotional aspect. That's why I say he's more of a screenwriter than a director of his style. But like the tension and stuff like I feel like that is perfect for 
the Avengers for them to explore that and to much more explore Age of Ultron. It doesn't make as much sense in the fucking runaway train that is Justice League. Um, but yeah, Age of Ultron, I just, you know, quick preview of next week. I've probably seen that movie way more and I've watched certain scenes of that movie a lot just because I just want to drink them in. Um, I mean, if this if movie I- is, is fun, but it's like, it's, there's a certain like logic limit. And then once it gets over that, it's like, you just look away, just accept it. If I could give an extremely hot take, um, Joss Whedon is writing a comic book movie and future screenwriters of the Captain America and infinity war movies, Marcus and McFeely, they're writing a movie. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, our hunk meter or hunk down. Now, are we talking hunk like twenty uh, twelve uh, fuckability hunk? Like, are we talking? Or are we talking like? I guess all he had time to, I think he had to go with this movie, right? Because okay. I mean, okay. all time the all time hunk meter. Who even knows? But for this movie, who would you put number one? I feel like it's got to be between Thor and Cap, right? Is there anything else? Yeah, yeah. I think I think your hottest take, and I know you you pride yourself now on your hot takes. Uh-huh. Uh, you think that's your superpower when it might be your Krypton is is yeah. definitively putting Chris Evans above the other Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Shade. Um, and I feel bad for Chris Pratt because you know, good on you for like you know getting in the gym and everything and wanting the pat on the back for that. But it's like you're losing this race. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, Chris Pratt. You really hurt your brand at Jurassic World. I can't look at you the same way anymore. Because I kind of think that that Owen character might just be you. Uh, I, see, I see that. I and see it, that. it kind of colors the way I see Peter Quill now. Uh, anyways, I... If well, my, about Chris Pratt. He makes me feel bad for Anna Ferris. <laughs> my hunk of meter but, for you this know, movie... Like, I, I think I would probably mm-hmm. put um, Thor first. But in later... like he, I think, uh, what's his face? Uh, Chris Evans takes over. Uh, by the by, the time you get to Civil War, but I think Thor is in the lead here. You think he's in pole position, and then you go hmm. Chris Evans, and then then Tony Stark, um, and then Ruffalo. I guess I don't know. Are there any other hunks in this movie? I mean, some people are into Loki. You know, if that's your thing. Like Loki, where, where's Renner? Sick. Where's Renner on the list? Renner is dead is he last. is Renner above or below Samuel L? I think he's. I think he might be below. Sorry. Renner is like, oh, I, I could say something that would really be shitty mm-hmm. and get me in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Picture that. Picture that statement because I got some shit to say about Renner. Renner's but, below Coulson. Um, sorry. Oh, for sure. Well, and also, okay, there's the hunk meter and there's the fuck meter. Like, Is there I, really I, a I difference? See, there is. Mm-hmm. I could think you could make the argument about Robert Downey Jr. being attractive in this movie. I don't know if I would call him fuckable, though. He's also like a 50 something year old man. I get that. But it's like, wow, you really seduced my mind, but I'm going to take Phil Coulson to bed. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, now that we've established that, let's get also, to our top. Is Samuel moments. Jackson on this hunk meter? I, I think he goes below Ruffalo, above Coulson, and uh, Hawkeye. What about, uh, oh, I'm just really scraping the barrel now. What about Jasper Sitwell? That fucking guy. You know that there was a young Sitwell above on, above Hawkeye. There was a young Sitwell on a recent episode of uh, Agents of Shield. Like there is an episode where it's like a flashback to like early Hydra, and there was this guy who like kind of looks like wow. Sitwell, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna say that's young Sitwell, and then they did, and I was just like, oh, fucking oh. brilliant. 
I can't remember if he had hair or not, but he, they, they found a dude who looked like young Sitwell is amazing. I feel like that guy was like the most depressed by the plot twist. That guy was just like, Oh man, I'm, I'm the next Coulson. No, you're not dude. Well, I feel like he was just like, I love that I'm getting scenes, but guys, what does this mean for the future of Jasper Sitwell and this franchise? And they're like, buddy, no one cares about Jasper (laughs) Sitwell and this franchise. I guess he's in like at least one, if not two of the one shots, which I've never seen any of those, by the way. I don't I feel like he's like always bringing like Colson a phone or some toilet paper or something in those one shots. I know I've seen a couple of them. Yeah, I've never seen them. Uh, Anyway, let's let's see our top moments. Yeah. Uh, I have a yeah, couple I mean, honorable mentions, yeah. Uh, How many do you have? I have three honorable mentions. Okay, so you go first, then, because I have two. Uh, my number six moment, you know what? This is going to be shitty. Maybe I don't give a mm. fuck. It's the shawarma scene. I, I think, think that scene... I think that scene is brilliant, because especially when you're expecting like the Thanos little button at the end, I just love... I mean, I think... A lot of this movie is is predicated on like what is the happily ever after for both the good guys and the bad guys. Like you know, what's your version of this? What's your sitting on the throne or what? What do we do when the Avengers win the world? I love that just like the aftermath of the battle is just like sitting in a fucking shawarma place that is like bombed out and like chewing meat and just staring off into space because you're fucking lost or whatever. I I think that scene is brilliant. I know it was kind of a throwaway thing like before some award show that they filmed that, but. I love it. That's my number six. I mean, I think that scene, I wonder if that is the genesis of the, uh, the party scene from the next Avengers movie. Cause like, I feel like we has to realize that like the best part of comic books are when they're just hanging out, you know, like that's, that's actually fun. Like we don't always need to see them fighting. It's neat to see like, what do they just do when they're not safe in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Downey who was the one who suggested the shawarma thing. Hmm. Or at least like suggested that they like do a different tag or something like that. Um, my number five is when Coulson shows up at the Stark Tower to recruit Iron Man there. That's just a fun mm-hmm. scene. You got Gwyneth Paltrow popping up. Like it's this that's what made it really feel like a big film. It's like, oh, they brought Pepper in. Like they didn't have to, but they did, you know. Um and I don't know, the interplay between Pepper and Coulson and uh Iron Man there. I feel like this is one of the scenes where Whedon most nails Tony Stark. There are other times when I feel like he doesn't entirely grasp the character, but he definitely does here. I want to say he there was some rewriting on the set he said, and part of it was like, I want to say it's like uh, uh, Steve Rogers was like the focal point, and then at some point Robert Downey Jr. brought to him, like really it should be Tony. And then I think Joss Whedon said like that's when certain aspects like clicked on the place for him. And I I think you can make the argument like sure here's your big star who's getting paid the most money who's like wielding a lot of creative control. But like it's not it's not hurt the franchise. It's it's paid dividends. I I would also say that Whedon probably does a better Tony than he does a Steve Rogers, like writing wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like, and that scene you mentioned is, is a prime example of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel there's, like there's, Cap isn't. He's fine in this movie, but he could be better. Well, the best scenes that he writes for Cap aren't necessarily like dialogue scenes. But yeah, there's two brilliant moments in that scene. One is the I don't like, I don't like being handed things as they're like exchanging mm-hmm. like champagne glasses, like doc, or folders or whatever. The other is uh, I promise your name will be on the side of the next building. And she's like, my name will be on the lease. 
I think you're forgetting. His first name is Agent. Yeah. Uh, my number five is um, it's this very simple moment. It's when Tony Stark first comes on to like the bridge slash briefing room with the helicarrier, and he's like, mm-hmm. he's talking, and he's making a big show, and everyone look at me. I put on a suit. I'm Iron Man, and he's like looking at the multiple displays at one point, and he just pauses and he's like, "How does Fury even see these?" And Maria Hill just simply says, "He, he turns." turns. That's such a great non-squitter. Yeah. Yeah. My number four is when Black Widow and Natasha Romanoff is recruiting Bruce Banner and I don't know, Calcutta or wherever they're at. Um mm-hmm. I love Widow in this movie. I love the way she plays Banner in this scene where she starts out kind of very cool. She's wearing like a Sari skirt and um she's kind of like dressed super casual, but then like when he kind of like tests her there and flips out, like the way she pulls a gun immediately, like I just love the way that they interact. Um I definitely did not get a romantic vibe from the scene, I'll say that, but um I do enjoy their interaction. My read on Widow in this is that she's fucking terrified of the Hulk because he's something that yeah. her her skill set doesn't really have a solution for. Yeah, um, and he scares the shit out of her. Is kind of how I read this scene. I think you can take her interactions with him and build that into the romantic stuff in Age of Ultron. I don't think it's like present here, though. I think because... you needed stuff in Civil War or not Civil War Winter Soldier if you really wanted to build that. And... Like, I'll have some I'll have some takes about this when we get to Age of Ultron. But I feel like they're they're missing. A connect some connective tissue there between what we get here in Age of Ultron. Oh, we're going to get to how weird Steve Rogers like permission to Bruce Banner as an Age of Ultron. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like like the part two of the scene you're talking about is when she's trapped after the one explosion with her leg trapped mm-hmm. on the thing next to Hulk, and she is like, "Fuck!" Well, I mean, the bit where Banner he kind of puts his hand on like this like um like baby rocker thing, and he says, "I don't know, was get what I want." or some of us all don't get all get what they want. Like it's a good moment to kind of connect banner to the, you know, the life he wasn't allowed to lead. I don't get a romantic feel from that, but it, it is entertaining. Yeah. Uh, my number four, and it's kind of funny to me that this ended up as my number four, but it's, it's the scene and it's all over the trailer, but it's the, uh, I have an army. We have a Hulk, um, which like born a thousand memes, but there's, there's an interesting uh, philosophy for a type of movie here present. And I'm glad that we pursued having Tony and Loki, you know, explain that there's nothing truly glorious in this like manifest destiny to conquer the earth because it's going to be like a ruined throne for you. Um, and it gets to, you know, a classic Whedon fake out where it's, it's a big part of the plot, but it's also humorous where we have the performance issues where he taps the spear to, to Tony's chest and he's like, huh? And he can't take him over because of the fucking arc reactor. Um, it's not a perfect scene, but I, I enjoyed it. And that's, I think a lot of my moments are going to be those, those things that I just really enjoyed and kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. My number three scene is, I mean, this is a cheap one, but it's, you know, this is a big crowd pleaser. Hulk smashing Loki. Um, just, he's ready mm. to do his more you know, villain monologue stuff. And Hulk's just like, man, he just like smashes him and then like pauses, smashes him again for good effect. Every screen I went to this, the audience went nuts for that scene. Like it just it seemed like something like you it's like you're supposed to let the villain monologue, you know, and Hulk's just like, nah. Mm-hmm. Uh my number three is like uh it's quite frankly a no fucking duh scene. It's it's our introduction to Black Widow in this movie. 
I don't want to say I want to put this number three, but it feels like I don't know. I feel like I'm putting it here to be indicative of a lot of things. The uh, Scarjo just fucking owns this character. This character, you know, it's it's one of the things that Joss Whedon really does right in these. I think is some of the scenes with her, and there's some issues with some of the ones in Age of Ultron, but some of the scenes with her and how she plays it. When she's in this warehouse tied up and she gets the call from Coulson. And again, the greatness of uh, Clark Gregg and his just understatedness. But, you know, this moron is giving me everything. <laughs> uh, and that, that Polish director is like, I'm not giving you everything. And she just gives him this fucking like, are you for real look? Do you, do you even see the scene? Um, she is so good in scenes where it's just her and a few other characters. And then I've noticed this thing when it's rewatch. Whenever you put her in scenes with like all of the Avengers, there's always like somebody else making a quip. And she's the one who has to like make the weird look that like ends the joke cycle or completes the circuit. Mm-hmm. Or it's always like like I'm bringing the party to you, and she's just like I don't see how that's a party. And it's like it's I don't know. But scenes where her and Loki or, or her and Bruce Banner or her and like these. Russian thugs in this warehouse. They're they're perfect. And it's, you know, screaming out, why don't you have a Black Widow movie by now? So, my number three. Fucking seriously, yeah. My number two is when Black Widow is interrogating Loki. Um, I just really like the way she controls that interaction. And even, like, I think you can interpret by the way she, she has, like, a conversation with uh, Hawkeye later on where you could interpret that he did kind of penetrate her shielding a little bit, like by mentioning, you know, Dracov's daughter, the hospital fire, that kind of thing. And yet she, it's like, uh-huh. she uses that and plays it up even more to manipulate Loki into thinking how compromised she is when she's really still in control. Mm-hmm. Well, like she says in a, you know, I, let's go face it, a better movie. She says, I'm anyone you want me to be. And I mean, I, uh, I am kind of mixed on Loki. There are scenes in this movie where I really like him and others where I'm completely bored with him. This is definitely one of his good scenes is that interrogation scene. Like he's just full of like menace and like, I don't know, darkness in that scene. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like the same actor is playing a different character than whatever the hell's going on in the Thor movies. Yeah. A little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, my number two is, it's like you said, you know, it, this is the thing that kind of sells the whole ridiculous pretzel of logic here. It's the circular shot spinning around the team as they take out the big flying lizard things, the music playing. The closest I think Marvel has to a theme in their movies, the big hero team shot. It's quite frankly what we're fucking here for. <laughs> um, it's not like the greatest depiction of this i think joss whedon really gets comic booky uh in ultron but it's good and i i was just like i remember like doing a fist pump i think when i first watched this movie on a midnight showing like yeah um so yeah it's got to be that just because of the nature of this whole fucking thing that rotating shot of all of them yeah that, that could be on my list my number one actually is similar to that is the long take of all the avengers in action in new york where we start out with widow i think and then we're following iron man and going to Hawkeye and or I think we, we go down to Cap and then up to Hawkeye and then to Hulk and Thor like just a, a great shot there that they will definitely top in the next one but still that shot was like ooh look what we can do you know which they they top in every movie and that's that's one of the things that you can mostly say about Marvel movies is each one gets better uh my number one and I had to go 
I had to go to the scene, like you said, that brought me the most joy. Mm-hmm. It's it's when Loki screams the Hulk to stop, that he's beneath him, and I'm a god, you dull creature. <laughs> and then he smashes him into the ground a few times like a fucking ragdoll. I mean, that, that doesn't give you just pure, unadulterated happiness. I don't know what's up with you. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful superhero cinematic version of a dude getting hit in the nuts of a football. It's timeless and classic. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, any lowlights, any complaints, broadly speaking? Um, I don't know if I can really say there's anything that makes me groan super hard. I'm sure you've got a couple. I, I mean, some of the stuff. Some of the stuff I'm kind of surprised in retrospect, like uh, we watched 15 minutes of like Iron Man fixing a, an engine on the uh, uh, helicarrier. Um, there's little things that I like. I saw some of See, the I think that actually of, works, though, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's not that I have a problem with it. It's just that I'm surprised that that was part of the movie. I'm surprised the whole opening and the, the underground top secret shield base. Like, what is it called? Like Dark Energy Task Force or whatever. Uh, I'm surprised some of the things are in this movie, but but whatever. You're just along for the ride. I was saying I saw some of the lead scenes of like the waitress who's part of the little media montage at the end, where she actually interacts with like Steve Rogers and his day leading up to the gym, and I kind of like that stuff. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of curious what yours are because I I don't know if I pulled apart the movie that hard. Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, I have a few issues with this movie. That's where I- you talk. I find Loki's speeches to be basically nonsense. And I don't know if they really reflect like what we know of his character at all. Um, all this stuff, like anytime we cut to like him and his cronies, it's like real boring. Um, I don't know. Do you disagree or? No, no, I, I, I would agree. I feel like in whatever passes for like the big executive writer's room with like the fucking uh, uh, Kevin Feige and Joss Whedon and Zach Penn, it was like Loki's on the whiteboard circled and underlined as like the villain for the Avengers movie. And then like Joss Whedon's like, fuck, how do I make this guy work? <laughs> like there's a scene where like before he gets like the acid flashback with the scepter, it's like, he's got to listen to fucking Stellan Skarsgård go on about like, the, the Tesseract showed me things. Wah! And it's like, God, whatever. Yeah, it's seriously. Or just the throwaway of like, hey, Hawkeye, where'd you find this fucking army we've assembled? You know, even though we have like an alien army waiting through a portal or what have you. And he's just like, S.H.I.E.L.D. has enemies. Anywho. <laughs> yeah, really. not Hydra, though. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, I there are other parts where I feel like Whedon can't really help himself with his jokes. And like, he'll, he'll put words in characters mouth where they don't really fit. Like black widow saying, I I don't see how this is a party. Like she just wouldn't say that, but it's like, he just, he's got to get that line in there. And like, who else is going to say it? You know, especially he has black widow say it. Um, Like cap maybe should have saying that like cap is with a more literal one, you know? Yeah. Um, it maybe would have made a little bit more sense for him to be the, the straight man in that scenario. Yeah. There's just stuff like that where it sounds more weedney than accurate to the characters. Um, I mean, I know there's other screenwriters credited on this, but I feel like this is pretty much all him. Like he's, he's done his whole rewrite and polish of everything. Like the, these lines that are spoken are from him, not someone else. Um, and I, 
I do wonder if maybe he could use a little bit of a governor on him at times to kind of pull back from some of those tendencies, you know, somebody to say, you know, Black Widow wouldn't say that. I think, you know, Joss Whedon's screenwriting, I think it starts off very intellectual and then it gets very emotional. And it's like, I've written this great scene. And it's it's almost technically perfect. I have this one line that I have to have a character say to like complete the thing. And I just got to figure out, I got to negotiate who will say it. And uh, it's going to be Black Widow. And it's like, whatever, we're not going to fight you too hard on it. I mean, like, I think the goofy line that he nails is the, oh, I got that reference. Yeah, no, that that's which, which a, works. a good version of it that, works. yeah. Um, my last complaint, and this is a trivial one, but Cap's outfit just sucks in this. Like, his outfit is better than in every other movie than it is in this movie. So... I would agree with you because this thing is weird. It's it just like it's like it's, don't look at it too. It's close. very much the like shoulder the, things are weird. It's, it's the original like before he became a superhero outfit. It's his like USO outfit, right? Like it's basically what it is. Like a, designed to be a little bit more for action. Are you looking at it right yeah. now? I want to pull up like a picture and actually like really get into this thing. Yeah, I'm like, like the fucking zipper like down the front is weird. The straps like like around the neck are weird the shoulder things i don't know what those are what the point of those are the costume designer clearly liked like gray things on the bicep because he's got that and so does uh so does iron man on the biceps and it's like it's not quite remotely whatsoever the like ultimate captain america outfit the helmet looks funny especially the ear pieces like the ear cod pieces the helmet especially looks funny like this is the kind of corniest that his outfit gets, I would say. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I agree with you. Like the hunkability of Chris Evans, like sells anytime that this mask isn't on and he's wearing this outfit. It's on one hand, it's like, I feel like he looks too slim here. Like it's what I picture the body type of a guy playing Cyclops should look like. Yeah. But yeah. And other times, like when I'm looking at the other outfits, I think he's, he's way too bulky, but it's like, I guess I prefer that to this though. He's really like a, like a super gymnast in this movie, more so than a super soldier at times. So I don't know, maybe it works. <laughs> I mean, even his, his USO outfit, USO outfit looked more appropriate, I guess, because it was made, it was clearly made out of like cloth, you know, like felt or something like it. It yeah. felt kind of period. Correct. The way like the old watchman outfits looked like, you know, um yeah i hate his outfit mm-hmm. in this it's every other movie it's better and i don't know i haven't thought yet of what the best outfit is maybe we can say that for the cap movies when we eventually do them but uh it's not this one that's for fucking sure i'm i'm fascinated by how they go back to like obviously they do something of flashbacks and like the infinity war part two or whatever or are they and flashbacks like, or maybe i, I have also them about I would say I have a theory and it's something it's something along those lines, to be honest with you. I don't think it'll be House of M per se, unless that's really like their long game to bring in the X-Men. But the the bunker or like the little thing where they reveal the new costume for him, I have to say it's really bizarre the way they have it displayed. Anyway, yeah. Um I would agree with you. It's a weird costume. I like I like aspects of it. I can't stand other aspects of it. It's the zipper thing. It's so blatantly obvious. It like goes down his abdomen. It's, it's like, hey, Coulson, you know what? You don't get to be in charge of the next outfit. 
you you went a little too old school on us. Yeah. We know you're into the whole vintage thing, but come on, man. Yeah. Anyway, is there a scene in Agents of Shield where he complains about his fashion design? <laughs> well, you know, in Agents of Shield, they all are mostly just wearing either like kind of like knockoff Black Widow outfits or just kind of like the Shield jumpsuits you see on the Hellcarrier. There. I mean, seriously, isn't isn't uh, uh, Daisy's outfit essentially just Black Widow's costume? It's very close to various Black Widow outfits. Yeah, um, she's got like her gauntlets and whatnot. But... What about Mockingbird? Isn't it same thing? From what I recall, yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, it's it's all kind of a, of a piece of the general kind of like shield outfit, which you know it's Agents of Shield, so sure. Um, mm. Anyway, let's talk about the movie. Yeah, it's a little general discussion. This movie is shot in a taller aspect ratio than most uh, big budget blockbusters you see. It's mm-hmm. the it's like one one to one eight five when usually you're getting like the cinemascope like one to two three five. Um, it's apparently I read it's to make Hulk seem bigger, like taller on screen because he can like take up more of the vertical frame there, which sure, whatever. Mm. I don't know. I want to say the other Avengers is in scope. Um, I think most of the Marvel movies are, but I don't know. It was one thing that stood out to me. I and mean, I guess this is maybe a better aspect ratio if you're watching like IMAX, but, uh, I don't know. I still like my cinema scope. Hmm. That's a good place for the, for when you're in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting again part of the in the rewatch is kind of like pseudo cheesy '80s aspect. Of me is just the opening like narration of Alexis Denisov about like the Tesseract. I didn't love it and the Chichari. Yeah, didn't love it. Don't think we needed it, but sure. It's just so like I feel like if if. The what is the uh, what is the fucking cliche that's not true? It's like the guys are bringing their girlfriends to this movie, and they're like, "The fuck am I watching here?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fairly corny. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we get to the the more real opening with uh, this facility. I think this is like in Arizona or something. I don't know. Like oh, where, the where all their satellites joint, are. The Joint Dark Energy Mission. What sure. an interesting place to work. Mm-hmm. Western Division. Yeah, um, you got Agent Coulson. The uh, the thing about the ultimate version of Nick Fury that they use in this movie is, which you know, it's Samuel Jackson. He when he's in the movies, he really carries them. He's he really commands the screens. He's Samuel Jackson. But I feel like the usual rules of other movie universes should apply when your boss foregoes the uniform that you're all wearing to like wear a long leather duster. <laughs> like that should concern you. Like with the eye patch. He is basically like an anime supervillain with, with some strange affectation. It's right? so comic booky, though, for him to be wearing like a superhero trench coat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what was I going to say about the scene? Um, Kobe Smulders, unexpectedly great as Maria Hill in this. Like, I remember yeah. hearing that they'd cast Maria Hill and like I like super vaguely even knew who that was. And I was like, whatever. But like when she shows up in this, I was like, oh, Kobe Smulders, like suddenly I care enough to pay attention to that movie where you turn out to be ghosts. I I feel like she nails the, there's like a, there's a way Whedon writes his dialogue for, for military people. Like there's like a military jargon that's very jocular that he writes that I find usually annoying and unconvincing, but I feel like she manages to mm-hmm. portray 
as a, a soldier who's like disciplined enough that it doesn't sound fake coming from her lips. You know, like I feel like she yeah. like really captures the character as like this this lieutenant, the second in command, a shield there who's like all business. And like I don't disbelieve it when she's kind of like throwing out words like compromised or you know crossed off or shit like that. I would almost argue that she feels like natural set dressing to this world in a way that even Samuel L doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because I, he's so larger in life is part of it. I feel like even going back to like the initiative and in Buffy, like Whedon has this way of writing like military dialogue that I just don't buy. Like it's, but it's think, kind of like vague and full of like big proper nouns. Yeah, yeah, but I think I just, the initiative was meant to stand out, though. It's always bugged me. It bugged me on the initiative. It bugs me in this movie. It bugged me on Agents of Shield. Like the kind of vernacular they use, it just it it sounds fake to me. If I could go as far as to say, I don't think that Shield would hire a fucking idiot like Riley into their organization, though. It hurts the well. actual. The actual power struggle or the power situation of a chain of command of Shield baffles me. <laughs> Well, especially like, when you get to Coulson seems like a guy who handles when you get to winter, projects, but he's also in charge of like, like evacuating luggage at one point here. Well, when you get to winter soldier and there's levels, right. And then you find out like, Oh, Captain yeah. America is like a level eight, but then like fury is a level 10. And like, I think on agents of shield, you, you find out like various other levels for characters. Like someone's like a level five and you're like, what the fuck? Isn't the, isn't the pilot all about what's his name? Fucking Grant becoming like level seven. I don't even know. I don't think it's like a promotion thing, but I don't know that the first episodes of that show are not its best. Let's put it that way. No. Um, so yeah, the start, start of the movie, you're getting a lot of low angle shots of Nick Fury. And I kept thinking like, are we supposed to be afraid of him? Are they setting up the doubt about shield later? Or in some of these situations, was this the only place you could put the camera? I kind of feel like in a lot of these shots, this is Whedon being very like comic booky, like very much like mm-hmm. it's comics. We're going to do like a big weird canted angle and like, you know, like odd, you know, perspectives and it kind of works, but you can definitely tell that Whedon's a writer first in this movie. Yeah. Um, so then we get to back to Stellan Skarsgård and there's just like the fucking weirdness of Hawkeye or the Hawk that I feel like there's a whole angle of him that they kind of drop later on in the movies, like later movies. Um, he likes to hide up in the rafters. The first time we see him, better he distance, looks very yeah. sullen and sad. Mm-hmm. Well, he just looks like he's like fucking pouting as he like holds onto his, his like bow or whatever. Yeah. He's it's not just sure a it's weird well introduction. Mm-hmm. No, no. Um, so Hawkeye brings up the fact that the Tesseract can open portals in space or whatever. And like Nick Fury looks at him like he's literally never heard or considered this thing before. And then because it's like a Roadrunner cartoon and like logic has been introduced in this universe, a fucking portal opens and Loki pops out. Loki does a lot of crouching in this movie. A lot of posing. Yeah, he's seemingly bulletproof and he's like has this weird evil look on his face as he like takes out a bunch of dudes with his staff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I guess this is the first time he's even used his staff like the way he you looks at it and then starts flying around. Um, yeah, this is all fine. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Hawkeye being possessed for most of the movie thing. I almost kind of feel like Whedon didn't know what to do with him. And so he's like, okay, sure you get possessed. 
Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, not only has Loki been off like through like Thanos boot camp, um, apparently he's been doing homework enough to misread a lot of the prime characters, the movers and shakers of this plot. Also, I have to say, I'm a little proud of you for not introducing yourself as I am Benjamin Light of Asgard and I am burdened with glorious purpose. Man, all of Loki's dialogue in this is such nonsense. But you're made the fucking to be wordplay, ruled. Yeah. Well, the fucking wordplay is, is there right away. It's like, we have no quarrel with your people. Does an ant have quarrel with a boot? It really Are just, you planning on stepping on us? It just seems like Joss is like, I'm going to write a mustache, mustache twirling bad guy who could be anyone. It happens to be Loki, but it doesn't really matter. You know? Well, the weakest is I bring you a world of freedom. Free of what? Freedom. Free to free of freedom or yeah, whatever. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess he's a little uh, but yeah, I'm watching this opening and I'm thinking, yeah, I guess so. But I'm watching this opening and I'm thinking, like you said, shit, we're really deprived of like more Maria Hill later on. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole action sequence there, like she's a complete badass. The way she like immediately like ducks and rolls when she realizes that like Hawkeye has like been turned and like her whole action sequence in the jeep where she spins around and it's like firing at them while driving backwards like she's a certified badass at the start of this movie and then we we get a little bit here and there as the movie goes on but not much but she just seems like she seems super competent you know yeah meanwhile nick fury survives an evil speech a gunshot a cave in a top secret base and then a helicopter crash it's like a sci-fi james bond opening and I kept waiting for some punchy line about like calling in the team before we jumped to the title card because we like we cut from Nick Fury's face to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because he says like we are at war, and then like an hour and a half later in the movie, he says we're not at war yet, which is like mm, okay, no one caught that one. Yeah. Uh, I do. There's some nice transitions yeah, the, between the various kind of like hero introductions, you know, like I can't remember who it starts with. Um, I guess it goes like Natasha. Then, you know, you got to get the big guy at a Hulk. And then to um, I think it goes back to Fury at that point. We need a soldier to Captain America. And then Captain America says should have let the bottom of the sea to go to Iron Man. Like nice little work there, like moving between the different scenes. Yeah, the uh, the line you were dancing around is, well, I don't every time get what I want. Mm-hmm. It's a good line. It's a good delivery of that line. It does not make me think these two will be romantic in the next movie, which I feel like I, I'm pretty sure I read an interview where Reed was like, well, you know, I kind of planted it in the first movie and they had that interaction. And it's like, mm, I think only you knew you were planting that. And no one else. I no, I think he I think he came up with the idea um later on and then he convinced himself that retroactively it was there all along. Even if he didn't, it feels like the whole Widow Hulk ship is like it's like fanfic that only he is aware of and no one else is like aware that that's what's happening. I'm like I'm like watching this whole movie and I'm just thinking like, man, I wish Ryan Johnson did an Avengers movie. <laughs> Jesus, that'd be insane. 
Um, so you get the shield council and you know, a fucking group is evil when powers booth is one of your members. And I remember screaming that in my head during the, the first time I watched this movie and then don't they bring him back as one of the evil Hydra shield guys in the show. He comes back in, I think season three of shield. Yeah. And there's like a whole plot line with his daughter. Where you think she's going to be important and they just kill her off. Like it's really weird. Um, but yeah, from he comes what, back. what I, from the scattershot I've seen of that show, I felt like season three was my favorite. Second I half think, season three. I think I'd say back. season four. The life model decoy and then Agents of Hydra stuff was just like off the walls bonkers. Which is the one? No, se- second half of season three is the one where you have uh, um, Gemma on the alien planet, right? No, that's the first half. Okay, okay but then it, it ties into uh, what's his name? Like Dust or particle or sand or what fucking grant evil grant evil yeah um whatever the name of his uh alien character is yeah hide or hive hive that's what it is hive yeah go uh yeah so anyways powers booth always evil another 80s holdover um there's yeah so they do the quickest oh yeah go ahead i was gonna say there's this headbutt that uh, Black Widow does where it's like her hair hits the guy behind her and he's just like and he like gets thrown back Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, he couldn't have got a better take of that. I just wanted that guy. I went in the ADR like, oh, hairspray in my mouth. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, your, your hair hit him. That, that's all that hit him. I think you could have. You could have done a funny action moment there where the guy thinks the girl is going to headbutt him and say, just whip in the face of hair. And before he realizes like, oh, that's just hair in my face. She like, you know, like kicks him in the kneecap or something. This one stunt where she um, like leaps up and kicks with both feet and lands on her back and then bounces back up. That looks like it fucking hurt. I don't know how they did that yeah. exactly. Maybe it's just like a clever. Well, can, we, can we just talk about what a great pilot for a Black Widow movie this is where she's like fucking doing flips while tied to a chair. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of Buffy when she breaks the chair. I'm like expecting her to like stake a dude with uh, one of those chair legs. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Eventually, we get the quickest possible retread of a of the first Captain America movie to a thirty second punching bag scene. Maybe not necessary. I don't know. It's weird because it's not like they're giving us this for Black Widow or Incredible Hulk. Which, by the way, is like or the first time we see Mark Ruffalo as Hulk, and they just go with it, right? Like they don't do yeah. any real flashbacks other than like a like on screen when Iron Man's like looking at all like the different video like you see him there but it's not like they really stress it the way they do with captain america which is a little odd i wonder if that's a a holdover from when they thought it was cap's movie yeah um also ed norton got fired <laughs> you can so dance around however you want he has he to work with either i think whedon was just like no i don't need that guy like going over my script and give me a bunch of notes and sorry you know well, supposedly they were. I, I've never seen that Hulk movie. That's like one of the really. It's maybe the only Marvel. I've times before. Uh-huh. It's the only Marvel movie I haven't seen. But I seem to remember something where it was like him and the director and somebody else were like rewriting it daily. I think it was mostly uh, him. Yeah, he, he's that's my impression that I get from Ed Norton is that he likes to take full control of his character with uh, I, maybe sometimes even good results, but he's pro- got to be a pain in the ass to work with. I mean. I can only I, assume that he, that shit doesn't fly with Wes Anderson. Maybe. And I wonder how that worked out on Birdman. But like, uh, 
I kind of wonder if like he took all the wrong lessons from like the uh, onset atmosphere of the score. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so when Captain America leaves the gym with his gym bag and the duffel bag, like, is he? What is he doing with that bag? Is he gonna go fuck that bag? Like, what is he doing with that bag? His duffel bag? Oh no, the um, sorry, or the you mean the bag. punching bag? I think he's yeah, just yeah. like putting it away. Like, I think there's like a a place back there where you like hang punching bags or something. I don't but know. We've just seen the shot of like eight punching bags awaiting him on the floor. I think he picks them back up and takes them back. That's, that, that's my assumption there that like, there's a place where the spare punching bags live when they're not ready. I know him. the, the internet has tackles before and I've never seen the defensive answer is prime world war two hunk. Steve Rogers, a virgin. Um, I feel, feel like i've seen this tackled in an interview i feel like when you think about world war ii and all the rampant prostitution that was going on among the allies in western europe probably is so this guy okay. I, mean, I know he's captain america and all but like that was like that was what you did on shore leave or whatnot i don't know okay so you think he was doing prostitution stuff on shore leave and not like doing bucky I mean, I it's not like, like this, this guy, guy would have to try to get laid. Very, very, very tight. I'm just saying it's not like this guy would need to try no. to get laid. He wouldn't even need to pay for it. He had a uh, Natalie Dormer <laughs> back there just waiting for him. Which is funny because you've got Natalie Dormer in a movie and I love Haley Atwell. But like later on, the world's like, you have Natalie Dormer on set. Like, why don't you have why doesn't she have a character? It's so <laughs> weird that she's in one scene of that movie. I know it's, it's bizarre. Um, like in another world where you can't get scar joe for black widow nelly dormer would have been a great black widow oh for sure yeah um so okay so we get iron man you know like it's very weird because you, you've got all the other characters you got iron man which i think it's either like he's the the button that tied all together or it's like clearly he's like the star and he's he's bringing up the rear he's the hammer you for get, sure yeah you have this whole like fucking moving apparatus to take off the Iron Man suit as like Tony Stark lands on the thing and struts in. How fucking lazy and egotistical is that? I never get tired of watching scenes of the suit either going on or off Iron Man. Like it's always entertaining. Oh yeah. Although I feel like they're getting to the point where it's okay. just gonna be extremis, you know, or it's it that won't be as entertaining. Like the more mechanical it is, the more entertaining it is, I think. That's the only thing that confuses me about uh, Infinity War is he clearly has the arc reactor thing, and I thought he had it removed. I think it's just part of the suit. Yeah, no, he hasn't removed the Iron Man three. I think it's just part of the suit now. But it's like he's wearing he's it's like shining out of his clothes, like like clothing clothes in in commercials. I thought so. Maybe he just has the suit Uh, on underneath. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, What did you think of the briefcase in Iron Man two? Then. Oh, it's a great scene. There's some great gifts that have been born from that scene, but no, the the like new little nuclear football thing there, where he puts it on for a briefcase, mm-hmm. that's just fucking cool. Yeah, that's that's entertaining. The rest of the movie, not so much. <laughs> Mickey Rourke is like, I'm going to bring my own bird. Oh man, fuck Mickey Rourke. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um. Yeah. So again, my favorite line. One of my favorite lines is, uh, "I tell you what, the next building is going to say pots on the tower on the lease." Ooh, it's just yeah. interesting to see her like in like. What's that? No, no, I was just quoting a line. Go ahead. Oh, you can you sleep over? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see her just like in cutoff shorts, like barefoot, just chilling. 
So supposedly uh, the reason she's barefoot is because uh, she's taller than Robert Downey Jr. And so he's in like like four inch platforms and she's barefoot to cover uh, that up. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Agent Coulson shows up. Pepper makes mention of his cellist friend. That's Amy Acker, right? Eventually, yeah, we, we find out that that is Amy Acker. That episode was not particularly satisfying, in my opinion, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But yeah, that is who the cellist is. It is nice that they brought Pepper into this. And she's still Pepper, but I feel like we're seeing a little bit of a different side. I think this is the first time we've actually seen them like fully in a relationship now, if I'm not mistaken. Because they, like, they kiss at the end of Iron Man 2. And that's really all we get. So this is the first time we've actually seen them like what they're like together in a, in a romantic relationship instead of just a business one. And they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she definitely is good with like, I would say in that scenes, like you said, is where the Joss Whedon dialogue shines. Uh, um, Cause I think there's many times in his career where Joss Whedon has wanted to been Aaron Sorkin. Hmm. Okay. And he either hasn't had the right context or the right energy or just not the right actors to handle it. And I think uh, Gwyneth Paltrow definitely keeps up with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Uh, eventually, we get the scene with Cap and Coulson on the Quinjet where Coulson's just like, oh, I watched you sleep. I don't know. It's fine. It's a little weird. I like that they keep Cap in his kind of like old like 40s outfit with like his old style like parted hair and whatnot it works for him yeah then then it's like uh, cut, to, cut to like loki's henchman it's fucking boring he does some sort of weird mind transportation to talk to this chitari leader dude this whole scene's so boring i guess my only question watching this and it's funny because Obviously, it's a big retcon because well, at the time that they did this, the spear, Loki's staff was not supposed to be the mind gem. But like, who had the mind gem? Was did Thanos give it to Loki, or did the Chitari give it to Loki? Is what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, don't they make a comment in this movie that the staff gets its power from the Tesseract? Oh yeah, oh, there's a big. Neither the staff nor the Tesseract are infinity stones in this movie and then they just kind of like whoop retcon that and the next and i guess when you get to guardians of the galaxy is when that happens where it's like oh just kidding those are both infinity stones yeah um is this okay my transfer is this a flashback though it seems like a flashback to me like a painful flashback no i think it's i think it's happening in real time because he like wins well, at the he, end of it. yeah he wins it he seems at one point to be watching himself in this moment. Mm, am, I, am I mistaken? That, there not that two was of him, not, that was not the like impression I got. Uh, that, that wasn't the impression I uh, watched. So he's like sitting around. He's like sitting around like watching these. Okay, these there there is a scene actually. I'm, I'm looking at it now. There is a scene where he is in two places at once. So yeah, I don't know what's supposed to be communicating. And I don't know if that's like classic like Loki, like however he does his magician thing that he got yeah, from... Yeah. Uh, Renee Russo, but I got the impression that to me it was like a flashback to letting us know what the fuck he's doing here on this planet. Mm. Um, that's even worse. More... I feel like I feel like that's even worse writing if it's a flashback. Yeah, um, there's another scene with like Alex Denisov as I believe the character is called the Other. The dude mm. has six fingers, which I bet that guy is popular. Um, and then we 
Is this the point where we have like Agent Coulson meets Steve Rogers? Because every scene of them right is, just, is out of a fucking adorable romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, that that's right before it. The, yeah. All this Loki business is so boring to me. Um, then we finally get to the helicarrier. Did you know when you went to see this movie that it would be a helicarrier? Because I think I did not. And I was like, wow, they actually fucking did a helicarrier. I think it was in the trailer. Was it? I don't know. I, I think mean, so. I don't remember. Um, uh, but the meeting on the shield helicarrier between Captain America and Black Widow and Bruce Banner is just so low key. It like, I feel like like the workplace comedy that's suggested here is when like some ABC executive was like, Fuck it, we'll do the show. I don't even care what it is. Call it Agents of Shield, whatever. This is when I had to insert a little bit of my own headcanon here because I feel like Black Widow is she's doing something with Cap here. I don't know if she's testing him or just flirting with him for fun or what. There is tension. There is sexual tension between those two characters. Like I don't know. Huh. At one point she says, Gentlemen, you might want to step inside for a minute. It's going to get hard to breathe. And she fucking eye fucks Captain America when she says that. She stares at him right in the eyes like, and watches him as she says that. It's like, I don't know if this is just a choice that Scarlett Johansson decided to make. And she's having fun with her like old friend Chris Evans. But like, I feel like there is a chemistry and a tension here where I don't know that this necessarily that they're supposed to end up together. But like Widow enjoys flirting with Captain America for you know various reasons. Let's talk about something that Agent Coulson and, and uh, Natasha Romanoff have in common. Uh, Steve Rogers is both on their sexual bucket list. She, here to be referred to as their bucket list. The first thing she does when she meets Cap is she cockbox Coulson. I mean, let's be real. She's like yeah. making fun of him. Oh, did you show you his trading cards? Yeah, what a cuck. Yeah, yeah. And she's going to win. I mean, I don't know if it's the first time that these two have competed for an object, but uh, she's going to win. I mean, I guess my headcanon is I feel like both Captain America and Black Widow are like slightly intimidated by each other for different reasons. And Mm -hmm. Natasha enjoys kind of like poking at that and like just like seeing, you know, how how, uh, Steve will react when she does certain things. She's, oh yeah, I'm sure she's she, definitely flirting with him here. That's my hip. She would love to give him like a back massage just to like watch him try to like control himself. Um, can I further up its own asshole head cannon? Mm-hmm. Drakoff's daughter was the first time that uh, Coulson and her had competed for somebody, and for some reason Coulson won. <laughs> he he went home with Drakoff's daughter, and like Natasha's like fuck. See, I feel like just the phrase Drakoff's daughter, the immediate backstory my brain fills in is that she went to assassinate Drakoff and like accidentally killed his daughter and like feel shitty about it. Like that was like my, my brain wrote all that, like just from hearing those two words after seducing her. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Um, yeah, it seems weird to me as we get into the helicarrier that Nick Fury and Maria Hill are running shield as a whole, because they're probably doing lots of paperwork, lots of speeches. They're in car crashes and helicopter crashes. And then they like, also transitioned to basically being like the captain and first officer aboard this helicopter helicarrier. Like this is just a normal day for them. I mean, why isn't Maria Hill in that star Trek show? That's what I want to know. She's a great number Seriously. one. Um, also, yeah, I just, like, I just want to point out when widow walks into the, uh, the bridge or whatever with banner and, and uh, Steve Rogers here, she looks back at them and specifically looks at cap with this little smile on her face like she knows what she is doing 
Yeah. She's doing more like, like Scarlett Johansson is doing more than the script will allow her in certain scenes. And I, I do wonder where that's coming from. Like, is that, is that Whedon trying to like, I don't know, build her character non-verbally because she doesn't have a ton to do. Is that just something where Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans are old friends? And so they're like doing this on their own. I don't know, but she's doing a lot of work here that she wouldn't necessarily have to do in another movie. I worry about either of those possibilities. I'm not totally against them, but it's like one hand, it's like you two are old friends, needle each other. And it's going to make the film. On the other hand, Joss Whedon's like, look, ScarJo, I would admit the script, which I wrote has its limitations. So can you bring like an incredible sexual energy to all of your scenes? Thanks. That would really I mean, make me look better. That is part of I'm her losing character hair, though, right? Like, right. Like that is kind well, of part, part of Black Widow's character. character. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there are several absolutely different from each other scenes that are so indicative and so fantastic of this character. And one of them is like the, the chair interrogation that we just talked about. The other is in winter soldier, of course, when she's just in like the truck with him as they're like driving and she's just talking about her general philosophy and she's just like daring him to like make a move. I feel like the whole time I'm whoever you want me to be. And she just stares at him, just daring him to like react to that on the, uh, yeah, I'll let you look terrible in a bikini now like that line. Yeah. Yeah, I their interaction uh, is really fun. I want more of it in Infinity War. I feel like it's this weird thing where they're both like daring the other to make a move. Um, also, I I got a comment on the the agents of Shield here on this bridge. Like, I don't know what their fitness regimen is, but they are all incredibly keeping it tight. Well, then you have Jasper Sitwell. And then he got Sitwell. Yeah. Well, like, what the fuck? What the fuck is the the power structure? It's like we got you guys who are like in the super tight jumpsuit class, and we got you like schlubby guys in the. Suits. I think I want to say in that the, the in that young men in black. I think in the young Sitwell thing, you might say he's like an analyst, maybe or something. That's a nice bullshit title for someone like Sitwell. Well, what the hell is Coulson then? He's obviously doing action shit and all like the weird flashbacks. Yeah, and the, the best you analyze it, the better, probably. These guys are all standing got, around like, in Star Trek uniforms the right now. All this. Yeah, these yeah. guys are all in Star Trek uniforms. They're incredibly fit, and uh, they're playing Galaga. And yeah. Fury is Which, there uh, in his own weird-ass uniform of his own with the uh, duster. Yeah, well, he's like wearing some kind of branded jumpsuit underneath it, but it's like the like the more laid-back version. Yeah, what I love though is that apparently that extra like. That's not part of like what he was doing. He just made like a shifty move, and they liked it. And so I think oh, I think said, I think Downey ad libbed that line, and they worked it in. That's how that that came. Okay. Out. Yeah. So, meanwhile, cut back to like Loki and shit. You know, speaking of of Black Widow's partner, memo to Hawkeye: If you want to come off as a badass, maybe don't flex your collapsible bow to punctuate your one liner. Oh, he fucking loves that bow. Like, I think that movie that movie supposed to be much more. There are at least two scenes where he like a... he ends his like little little dialogue speech by like doing his bow move, and it's like, okay, we get it. That's your move. We got it. That's all you got. You, you've literally never touched a bow before in like the two movies you've been in, but sure, 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 you're Hawkeye. Um, also, one last thing: Does the helicarrier really need an invisible cloaking technology? Like, it's not like no. that really comes to anything in this movie, does it? No. Yeah. Well, it's like. 
is there a scene where people like don't realize that this flying death ship is going to crush their city? It, it's it's, it's almost as though they like they thought, wow, a helicarrier is a real stretch, you know, logically speaking. Let's go even further and say it's invisible too. Yeah, which is seemingly is like a lot of cameras and refractory stuff, but I feel like they could have been like mirrors. Mm-hmm. You don't care. Um, but yeah, I think people will be like, oh, hey, look at that. It's the fucking like shield helicarrier flying above us. That's cool. Um, yeah. I had to wonder. So I believe Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has referenced that by this point, Coulson has met Melinda May a few times and they've had interactions and a little bit of heat before she discovered the the passion that is Blair Underwood. Is it possible that the year spent like trolling for like Captain America cars and shit is like why he could never like get something going with Agent May? Or maybe what he was doing because he couldn't get Agent May. I don't know. Either way. Yeah, yeah He's maybe. Just like yeah, take um, a hobby. Yeah. yeah so Jasper is the one who notices like uh Loki's in Germany on their like glow tracking software. There are a lot of scenes here where it's like, what did the Tesseract show you? It's real fucking boring. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the Mindstone Tesseract business, that's obviously a big retcon. Um, yeah. So eventually we got to go get to Loki. It's like, it, it's like he's telling Skarsgård, I don't care what the script says. Just take a sip of like whatever weird Nordic ice vodka you people drink and just spout out something that you would spout out at your weird like mountain pub. There's a whole lot just, of. There's a whole lot of dialogue in this movie that just makes very little sense. And you just have to let it wash over you and not think about it too hard. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, I guess not surprised. If you didn't get Chris Hemsworth, I mean, you would have, they should have gone to like Skarsgård Jr.'s Thor, right? Uh, Alexander? Yeah. Yeah. That would have worked as Thor for sure. He wouldn't be as I mean, that bulky, dude probably. Seven feet tall. Well, he could have bulked up. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, so in Germany, would Loki really know who Captain America is? Uh, who knows? Uh, he, Haw- Hawkeye told him, I guess. You know, it doesn't. Hawkeye is a is a mouthy, dramatic bitch. Hawkeye says he needs a distraction. It doesn't really seem like it. I guess he just needs the eye. I don't know. Um, I don't like this scene until Loki like stabs a weird eye thing into the guy's eye, and then he like he smiles as he looks at everyone while he's doing it. That's when I start to like the scene. Yeah, I don't know what this is supposed to be where this guy who has access to some sort of like vault where iridium is kept is also he's like announcing something to this like fancy rich crowd while people are playing the violin like what what is this I don't know I this is just like I guess this is what goes down in Europe is they do stuff like this especially when you're rich mm-hmm. eventually Cap shows up to fight Loki. It's interesting to watch some of the effects in this movie. Like, there feel like there's a lot of like cars that are flipping over and whatnot. Like, it still feels a little bit low-fi for the action we'll eventually get to, you know, where they're like, oh, we did a stunt, we flipped a car. I get that yeah. a lot later on, but yeah, Cap shows up, they fight, Iron Man shows up, blasting his ACDC. It might be the last time we hear ACDC in relation to Iron Man. Not totally sure on that, but it feels right. I'm not sure if there is any in Iron Man three or not because that's Shane Black. Yeah, I mean, what a lame theme song. 
Yeah. And it's it's not even crazy. Like I don't know why it's ACDC and not Ozzy, but sure, whatever. Um wasn't it like a shit ton of am I blacking out? There's like a shit ton of ACDC in the Iron Man. It's this whole one and two, right? This whole deal in the first two movies, yeah. Um What a lame fuck. Well, first of all, the end of this you know what I don't need the end of my fucking Avengers movie when Earth's mightiest heroes Soundgarden? like assemble? Fucking Soundgarden. I don't fucking need that. <laughs> I know, it's so weird. It reminds me of like a Spider Man movie oh. or something, you know. Um the last time I was in Germany and I saw a man put himself above everyone else, we had a disagreement. I don't know. Not the greatest line. Cap looks like a dork. It, that doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, also, I was like, so we'll get there in a second, but I just have to, in my notes, why do a Thor movie where you make a big deal at the end of the movie that the Bifrost is going to be destroyed and you're going to be cut off from Earthwind? Yeah. You're going to throw it all away This is a line? This is before they were coordinating too closely. Yeah. Was it though? Wasn't it all lighting up to this? By the time they were at Thor, weren't they like making plans? Yeah, but still not. I don't know. I feel like the system they have seems to work a lot better now than it did then. I guess I'll say that. Yeah. Loki basically gives up when Iron Man shows up. And this is, I think we get the last, uh, the last he wanted to be captured plotline that even works at all. Even then only if you don't think uh, about it too much. I don't think it's the last because technically, I mean, by release date. So dark Knight came out in 2008. This movie came out in April of 2012 and then skyfall no, came no, no. Out in October of 2012. I said the last one that works. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Because it doesn't work in skyfall. Um, it kind of works here as long as you don't really think about Loki's ludicrous plan or even if he has a plan too much. Um, I mean, it, it works mostly just so you can get conversations between Loki and your heroes in a way that makes sense. You know, that's the main reason that it happens. Yeah. Um, I don't think it will work in Skyfall at all. Anyway, the, the whole middle section of this movie, it feels like a lot of just hanging and then they around. Only have a taste for rats. Yeah, hanging around on the helicarrier, talking, arguing. Like it, it feels like it goes on for a long time, and it does before you eventually get another well, action sequence. After the fight with like Thor and Captain America, Tony Stark changes into a nice shirt and tie, and then he changes into like a T-shirt to go work in his lab. Um. I just thought it was interesting that he had all these costume changes. Um, from the get-go, he's like clearly like pushing this like 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 laid back plot point about how Shield is like lying about something or clearly hiding something. Um Yeah, which sure it it seems a little unmotivated, but yeah, we can go with it. We skipped over the whole fight between Iron Man and Thor and Captain America, which it's it's very comic booky. It's very much like anytime your heroes meet each other in a comic book, they have to fight first just because, you know, which like I said, this yeah. movie feels like it's written to be a comic book, which it's fun. You know, it's like even getting this, like at the, now it seems kind of old hat, but at the time it was like, Oh my God, they're actually doing it. I can't believe they haven't fired Joss Whedon yet. They let him make this movie. You know, there's still time to fire him from this movie. I think there still is. Yeah. I mean, they fire um, him from Batgirl. They can fire him from this. Sounds like he fired himself, but yeah. Um, I feel like when you think back on Avengers, though, you forget about that whole fight in the woods. Um, 
you you really think about like the twenty five minutes of them just talking on the helicarrier. carrier. And some of it's uh, good, some of it's not so good. The uh, the talking, but yeah, it, it does kind of drag in the middle here. And especially, it seems like well, they like, don't know what the fuck to do with Thor here. No, they don't. I mean, and it's like when in doubt, just throw some like pop culture references at him. Like you got a mean streak, like Point Break. Mm-hmm. It's like he's not gonna get that. <laughs> The whole like him talking about like you know Bildsteins or whatever you know I don't know it's like it really feels like they didn't know what to do with Thor's character they give him the whole line like he is adopted which is a little out of character but it's funny so we forgive it you know well and they like they're aware of their audience so like they have to shoehorn in like oh don't worry Jane Foster we like shuffled her away of some bullshit excuse <laughs> and it's like it makes me feel really upset about Jane Foster. Um. Yeah, so we get the the black. That Widow, may have just Loki been Natalie Portman not wanting to show up in the movie too. You know? Well, but there would be no fucking room. It's like you yeah. could have a Pepper or you can have a Jane. You know, but like I wanted the comment from Jane Foster in the Thor sequel about what bullshit that whole conference was. But uh, the one line I don't know why I wrote it down in the Black Widow Loki scene is the "You lie and kill in a service of liars and killers." And it's like I feel like. That's supposed. I, I, no, no actor without an English accent could pull that off. Oh, I mean, yeah. right. <laughs> he definitely needed like a the Royal Shakespearean trained English actor to pull off some of Loki's bullshit in this movie. You, you needed a guy who dated T Swift for five minutes and an English accent to pull that off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So Steve Rogers is set off on his mission by Tony Stark to prove him wrong. Maybe to go like hunt through shields, like little warehouse on the helicarrier to find their dirty secrets. And he makes a real good, like pouty face when he's going through the suitcase full of old Hydra gear. Tony is trying Uh, really hard to recruit Bruce Banner into like Stark industries. Yeah. It's just like, Hey man, 10 floors of research. You should come over. Well, even though Steve Rogers and Tony Stark get close enough to kiss, I am shipping the fuck out of Tony and Bruce big time. I mean, they are just doing like cerebral frotage throughout mm-hmm. all of their scenes together. Um, like him, like, like poking at him and stuff and like offering him his blueberries and stuff. It's sexual. And I guess it's the story so about the blueberries is that Robert Downey Jr. just like had a lot of food on set that he would just eat. And like they just had to work with it, you know, which like like Brad Pitt in the Oceans movies. Yeah, I guess it works for his character. Sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I choose to believe that Tony Stark is just like a brazen bisexual in the Marvel Universe. But um, I appreciate the construction of the scene where the Avengers are having those tense arguments with each other, like the conversation, like zigging and zagging, because that's like screenwriting classic. Like one on one is just like having seven characters all yelling at each other and having the dialogue zipping and zapping over each other. And then it turns into like a real diss battle between like Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. Well, I mean, if you like, stop like passing the microphone back and forth, if you stop to think about the plot of this movie and the fact that we sit around on this helicarrier for so long as Tony's like waiting for his like hacker program to run, like there's like, this is a mess and somehow it works because it's just glazed over so lightly that you're just enjoying the character interactions, you know? Yeah. Well then somehow. So if I remember correctly, the scepter stores up enough of their like screaming yelling match, like energy to explode. Well, no, no, no. It, it seems to imply that the, 
it doesn't explode. It seems to imply that the mines, that the staff, that you know, which we'll find out later is the mind gem, is influencing them somehow. Like the way the camera pans over it, it kind of suggests that like it's causing this strife, maybe. Okay. And then it like cuts to Hawkeye showing up. Hawkeye's the one who like fires an arrow that causes an explosion that you know triggers the Hulk and all that. Um, of course. But yeah, the 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 staff. I don't know. They tracked it to this location. Maybe there's like a tracking device in the staff too, because it like pops up on Hawkeye's like Quinjet that he's flying. It doesn't make any sense. They they show up and decloak and get on the ship. I do like the bit where like you suddenly like like I think it is a Fury and Black Widow both like reach for their pistols, you know, and uh, Cap is just like you know, Mister Banner, please put down the staff. And it cuts back to him and like, oh, he's holding the staff now, like. He picked it up without anything. He's been yelling it. the whole time. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I do like he, he has that bit where he's just like, oh, sorry, sorry, folks, you know, don't get to see the show today or something like that. Um, I really like him, Mark Ruffalo, as Bruce Banner in this. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't want to say it's a Ruffalo sense, but like, uh, it definitely was a turning point in his career because he had like a, like a weird barrage of like indie movies. And then it's, I feel like he did like at least 10 movies where like he played a husband who was cheating on his wife, whose wife was also cheating on him. Like, I feel like Mark Ruffalo has done, done 10 of those movies. Yeah, that was the one of look, Laura Dern and Peter Krauss. Uh, there's You Can Count on Me with uh, I forgot her name. See, I think but the same Lord thing Lenny. happens in that movie. And don't tell me if I'm wrong. Don't at me. Uh, and then uh, in the cut where he's like the kind of mean cop where he teaches the Meg Ryan character. Who's a, like a linguist teacher. He teaches her like the beauty of cunnilingus while um, cheating on his wife while solving sure. a murder. <laughs> sure. And then later on, doesn't he have like a fucking movie like post Avengers success where he's, it's like a romantic comedy where he's a sex addict and cheating on his wife. Mm-hmm. I don't no, know. No, no. I think he's just a sex addict. Okay. Sex addicts aren't. I feel like that should be that should just be like after his name, like Mark Ruffalo, comma, sex addict. Anyway, eventually (laughs) the action starts Um, again. Yeah, so the the bad dudes, the bad dudes show up. My one of my like my number seven top moment would be there's a point where like they're fixing the fucking engine and the bad guys are showing up like they're dressed as shield dudes are firing shit. I just love this moment where like one guy like throws a grenade at the engine and like Cap just like jumps over this chasm of space this drop down to the ground to just like slap away this is this is where they're like we don't know what to do with cap in this scene he's gonna do some acrobatics it's it's, when in doubt jumping yeah i mean i go to jumping i do really like the whole fixing the engine sequence i feel like it's one of the few times when joss whedon his visual storytelling kind of rises to the occasion because i could see a scene where it's incoherent and it's not like I feel like I understand what Iron Man is doing the entire time. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's clearing out everything and he's putting stuff back into alignment. And then he's going to, like, push the thing to jumpstart it. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. Yeah, movie did a good job on you. I think the the genius of the Russo brothers is they watched like the last 45 minutes of this movie and they're like, there is a germ of idea that we can re like we can reinvigorate this Captain America character as an action hero. And it's just all the shit on him on the ship in the beginning of Winter Soldier mm-hmm. with like the fucking shield and everything. And it's just brutal and it's hilarious. 
actually gets to use the shield, which does he really get to use the shield all that much in this movie? He does, but not um, nearly as much in his own movies. Yeah. Uh, item that I both love and would change if I could is Hawkeye's flash drive arrow. Oh, it's dumb. Yeah. Why, why does he have an arrow that has these weird, like kind of six hexagon prongs that fit perfectly into shields? Yeah. It makes no sense. Does he also have like a lightning port arrow? Yeah. It's like, Fuck, he, I forgot to charge my I mean, It's like he fires the USB arrow and he's like, oh shit, it was pointed the wrong way. Let me fire it again. No, it's still pointed the wrong way. God damn it. Let me fire it a third time. It'll work this time. Nobody plugs in their USB the right way the first time. Mm-hmm. And or if the you, second time. If you're one of the people who have, don't at me. I don't care. Um, yeah, so again, they leave. Loki goes back to like crouching in the back of a vehicle, just enjoying the view. He does a lot of crouching in the back of vehicles. Well, I guess like Widow and Hulk here. I do not get any sort of romantic vibe. I get fucking terror. She's like, oh shit, he's transforming. Please don't. Like, I'm actually portraying genuine and not affected vulnerability here because I am terrified. Because once he's the Hulk, her skill set is useless against him. There is a sequence in that action sequence where I genuinely believe that she is siding on on the side of running for her goddamn life as opposed to daddy you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Oh, Colson dies somewhere in here. We get the Hulk versus, uh, Thor mini fight, which sure. Fine. I mean, this is like, this is classic comic book stuff where it's like, you gotta have your heroes fight some more. Cause it's neat. You know, like sure. Hulk has to fight Thor and we got to show that Thor can't pick up Mjolnir cause you know, it's Mjolnir. It's magic. Also, it just makes you think about, how fun Ragnarok is. Mm-hmm. He's a friend from work. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they get rid of all the bad guys. They got to clean up their shit. Nick Fury gives his big pep talk, which in my mind, I remembered this being to more Avengers than just Tony and Steve, but whatever. There is a so theory. Like, or no, it's, it's, there is an idea. Stark knows this. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he like throws on like the bloody Captain America cars, and it's just like Steve and Tony here. And I feel like the movie, of course, is just saying it's about these two guys, but really it's about Tony and maybe the the playing cards. It's like the last vestige of like the Steve Rogers I mean, of the Stars movie plot. It definitely seems like kind of authorally they're saying that Tony and Cap are more important than the other Avengers here. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're all that's present and. Maria Hill's there to be like this, or those lock those cards are in Colson's locker, and he's just like, "Shut up, Maria, I got this." Um, well, like I, then the question becomes, is that really Colson's blood? <laughs> Did you like whose blood is that? Get the yeah. cards. Did you go to the like locker? Get the cards. Break in first of all. Get the cards. Uh, then being like, "Hey, before you take that body to the morgue, let me unzip that body bag real quick. Let me just rub these in there." Yeah, a, a few more now, comments. With him. A few more comments on the action sequence here. I love. First of all, how reactive Maria Hill is. Like, she immediately dies out of the way of this grenade. She, like, shoots some dudes later on. Um, Coulson, dead, his weapon. I feel like he he's, he says something like, oh, that's what it does. I feel like he could have had, a, like, a better, like, punchline death there. Um, this fighter jet gets way too close when he's firing on Hulk there. I do like the, just the shot of Hulk ripping this guy's whole, like, chair out of the fighter plane and throwing it. Before he like parachutes yeah. away, that's a pretty cool shot. No, he doesn't just like rip it out of the thing. The guy tries to eject and he catches him in there. Does he catch him? Okay, yeah, it's even better. 
and then he throws him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, he ejects and he catches him. And it's like, oh shit. Well, and, like seeing the uh, Hulk like plummet from like the- twenty thousand feet or whatever, I'm like, yeah, he'll be fine. He's Hulk. Yeah, he's a Hulk. Um, the Harry Dean Stanton cameo is so weird. Like, yeah. are you an alien? No, then son, you got a condition. Um, there's a uh, there's an incredible self own at one point where. Tony's like working out Loki's true motivations. It's this divide and conquer. Sure. He's a full tilt diva. He wants an audience. He wants a moment in the sky with his name on it. And then he's just like, son of a bitch. As he realizes <laughs> the climax is going to be at Stark Tower. <laughs> That's where like, I feel like something about the first half of the movie was so fucking cheesy to me. And then like the last hour just works. It just goddamn works. Everything slides into place. I mean, I think you could say there is Everyone's on, on Marvel, 11. Marvel's yeah. usually really good at this, but there is a little bit of a vibe of like a tiny amount of insecurity about what they're doing. They're putting a lot of people in hokey costumes, like big colorful costumes together on screen. And I feel like there's a little bit of a like cover our asses, like let's make some jokes about a thing in the first part of this movie before they eventually just go with it. I really want to go back and like read some history like the Iron Man movie just became just came from the fact that Marvel got like a like a big loan from Merrill Lynch or something like that because <laughs> like they had, they had just come out of bankruptcy mm-hmm. like right before the movie thing happened. That's why they, that's why you had the fucking properties scattered to the wind of all these different movie studios because they were selling shit like fucking crazy like like furniture on the Titanic as it's like sinking. Um, and this is we get the moment left. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we get the moment that because well, nobody gave a fuck about these characters. Nope. Like once you started giving away like the X Men and like Fantastic it was, Four, it was all X Men and Spider Man. Nobody gave a shit about the Avengers. Well, and think about the fact that somebody was willing to buy the Punisher before like Captain America. Because mm-hmm. who the uh, Captain America? Fuck that guy. You can't make a movie with that guy. Somebody wanted like wanted like fucking Daredevil before they wanted Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even Tom Cruise couldn't make Iron Man happen in the nineties. Uh, so, anyways. We get like the scene that we get in every fucking fucking Thor movie. That scene where he's momentarily like not worthy because he can't pick up his fucking hammer. Well, then his lightning somehow puts his sleeves on. It's real weird. I don't understand the point of that really. Um, I don't know. Well, then you've obviously not like lightning jacked off in the middle of nowhere. Highlander I guess style. Not. No, I do like. There's a few that. interactions between Tony and Cap here where. I think in the first one, it's like you wouldn't lay out, lay down on the wire for your buddy. And Tony's just like, I think we just cut the wire. You know, like that's his mindset yeah. of everything. And then later on, when Cap is talking about losing a soldier and Tony kind of like has this emotional reaction where he's like, we are not soldiers. Like you really see the difference between the two of them there. Which I appreciate. I appreciate that Captain America really just brings the mindset of where he was figuratively what like three weeks ago which was world war fucking two and tony stark's whole thing is about like busting through paradigms and like hacking systems and and playing acdc like an asshole um well let me ask you this when we're talking yeah. about the potential ships in this movie like where would you rank them because we do get this kind of like intimate scene between natasha and uh, clint here like I, would, if you had I to rank our, as, our potential ships, like what would you rank them as? I did not ever in my life rank that as romantic or sexual. I rank that as like high ranking friendship. That's like, very the much the view. way I read it, but I could see if you wanted to, how you could build on that, I guess. 
Like if has you, anyone has there ever been a movie where somebody has sexual attention of Jeremy Renner? Mm, let me get back to you on that. I mean, I guess Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. I mean, I'm speaking of Gretel in that sense. Um, I don't know. I I, I know I there's a like that uh, Hansel is a virgin at the start of that movie. Yeah, there are a shitload of uh, Clintasha shippers out there. I kind of feel like I yeah oh yeah they they exist and I kind of feel like the majority of the backlash that we got about Widow in particular in uh, in Age of Ultron was at least partially motivated by the shippers. I feel like they played a pretty big role in that. Not that there aren't other things to backlash on, but I feel like they were leading that charge because I think people were not happy that suddenly it was like Bruce and Natasha. In my new show, we just recreated the scene where I first learned that there were what I would later learn to be called Emerson shippers. This is the moment. This is what it Mm. felt like when I realized there were actual Emerson people and not uh, hypothetical, jokingly titled. Was it Alice Simile? (laughs) Clintasha. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I could see it if, if you want like they have a very kind of intimate moment where they're like kind of talking about their emotions or not. If you wanted to take it there, you could say that like, oh, she actually does like Clint, you know, whatever. Um, I would definitely not. I would like Bruce and Natasha would be last on my list. Like I just did not get that vibe. I feel like she's like kind of like play flirting with Cap the whole time, but it's not too serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. It, in the heuristics of shipping, I do not see Clintasha whatsoever. And I kind of think... Well, I think it, it wasn't the, helped by the fact that in the Winter Soldier, she's wearing like an arrow necklace through the whole thing, which like uh, seems a little too sentimental for just a friendship. I don't know. I mean, I'm wearing my Benjamin Light like a uh, bedazzled bracelet, my charm bracelet, so mm. I can't talk. Okay. It's official Benjamin Light branded uh, merchandise. Contact me if you want to buy some. That reminds me. I, got, you, a, all, I got a little All you Benjo heads. I got a story for you oh, after yeah? the podcast ends. Yeah. After the podcast ends? Yeah, after the podcast ends. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good time to plug our after show for the Patreon fans. Anyways, <laughs> back to <laughs> Benjamin Light after dark. <laughs> Wait, am I am I just like your guest on the Benjamin Light after <laughs> yeah, dark? Yeah, sorry, man. I guess you got demoted there. Fuck. Spark as long as I get a cut. Maybe it's just spark light after dark. Oh, that's kind of sexy. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just where people pay at $1 a month to hear us talk sexy to each other. Mm, okay. Just read the phone book to me, but slowly. So what is Loki's plan in this movie? Um, he he but- wanted to show up and cause chaos and unleash the Hulk. Because he needs to take out the Avengers to defeat the world, and really, he could have just been opening up the portal and unleashing. Like, if he had like not messed with the Avengers, they wouldn't have been around for him to open up this portal well, so, and dump like a million aliens on New York City beforehand. So the plan is to open the portal, bring the Chitari to Earth, and rule it as like some kind of fiefdom of the whole Thanos branded empire and he's going to be basically like grand moff loki i guess but like what the fuck is the value of that to you loki i feel like loki is just like it's a fucking rampant temper tantrum throughout this whole plot of a lame studio mandated storyline but like the whole thanos thing it's like were you just planning on like utilizing thanos to get this far and then you're gonna fuck him later 
This this is the way I, mean, I can. That guy is purple and big and angry. Allow me to head cannon this. I feel like this is how please, it goes down. Please do. Thanos is Thanos. He wants all the Infinity Stones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanos knows the Chitari. The Chitari somehow have this staff that he knows is the Mind Stone. And Thanos says, hey, Chitari, I got this guy Loki here. He's a, he's a warrior or whatever. You give him your staff. I'll get him to Earth to open this portal because I like know how to do I'll like help Loki do that. And then he'll let you into Earth. You take over Earth. I get the staff afterwards and, you know, any spoils, a.k.a. the Tesseract. Like, I feel like it's some sort of weird thing where it's like these three parties working together to get what's, what Thanos wants. It's like, okay, Loki, you get to rule Earth. Jatari, you get to go invade another place. And I get the uh, these two artifacts that are actually Infinity Stones. Mm. I mean, when they wrote this movie, none of that existed. And so it's all just some nonsense, basically. Right, right. Like, there's this scene, the the scene where Tony Stark goes back to the Avengers Tower and he's, like, talking to Loki and he has this whole speech that he gives about how, like, oh, there's no, there's no scenario where you're the victor or whatever. Like, if you pay attention to what he's saying, it doesn't make any sense. Like, RJD, is he's selling it. He's selling the hell out of it. He's got a good joke at the end. And there's like the cool suiting up scene. So you don't really notice. But like that scene makes no sense at all. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Well, Tony Stark. I remember thinking in the trailer like. That's kind of surprising. Like that's the angle you're taking to get to the title. Because I don't know in the comics. I don't remember the fucking comics. If they ever actually get to like. Hey guys. What are we going to call ourselves? Okay. Why are we going to call ourselves that? Yeah. Really? Like. Yeah, the whole like you know, if we're not going to say there, if we're damn sure going to avenge it, what does that it's mean, like, bro? You're at ground zero. You're what does that mean? Dead. Yeah, I know. yeah, you're. Whatever. It you just don't think about it too much. It goes right by. Um, I did yeah. like Nick Fury using Coulson's death to manipulate them. That seems like a very Nick Fury thing to do. Hawkeye is yeah. Hawkeye is really served poorly by this movie. I can't complain too much because he gives a shit about Hawkeye, but yeah, yeah. Uh, he definitely. Even like his heart to heart with Natasha, he's really only serving her character. Yeah, seriously, she's got she's got red on her ledger. Mm-hmm. She's gonna wipe it out. When do you think Cap learns to fly a Quinjet? Because he does, he knows how to fly one in Civil War. He doesn't know how to fly one here, so he must learn somewhere in the well, interim. It's interesting how by Winter Soldier he is just like drafted hardcore into Shield. He's I mean, like, Winter Soldier like, is the power structure. I could really like thrive. Winter Soldier is him like hitting the gym and deleting his Facebook. That's like that that era of Cap where he just like throws himself into his work. Okay, okay. And we're vague booking about the war, like World War Two. Mm-hmm. Captain America's Facebook <laughs> you account. Wow. We do the Charleston. Captain America subtweeting. Who wants to go see the uh, the fucking Hitchcock picture with me? Mm-hmm. Lifeboat, anyone? I kind of think it's funny that they even give him uh, uh, a moment with, uh, is it, it's Sharon in Civil War. Is Sharon going to be back in uh, Infinity War, I I wonder? No offense, but that whole, like, moment and kiss he has with Sharon Carter in Civil War is, like, entirely no homo. Like, that's the only reason that is in the movie is to make, by the way, guys, he's still straight. 
his Bucky thing is he's just a friend. Like there's no other reason for that to be in the movie other than that they like were worried that audiences would like think this was a relationship with something else. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of like uh, like thirst traps set in this movie. There's a lot of sexual tension and it's very, <laughs> as much as we're talking about it, like not enough of it's about Black Widow. Like there is more heat between a lot of these bros, which is cool. It's very cool. That's why I, I don't know why we haven't explored the idea of Tony Stark being bisexual because I, I feel like he's going to have a, a very interpersonal scientific moment with uh, Bruce Banner. I mean, I'll be real. I, I guess I would say I'm kind of a cap widow shipper, but like I kind of never want it to actually happen. I just like the sexual tension between the two of them, you know, like I want it to just constantly be unresolved sexual tension between them. that They never act on. How would you feel if like we've seen a little bit in the commercial, but like in Wakanda in infinity war caps, like Bucky, you look good. And Bucky's like, yeah. And then they kiss. I mean, I'd be fine with it. I think a lot of Tumblr would be fine with it. Um, I feel like the only reason, like I said, that Sharon Carter exists in Civil War is to like point people away from that because otherwise, like if you take Sharon Carter out of it, it's like, well, clearly he's in love with Bucky. Right. Um, Which, you know, I I don't want to like, I feel like there's a thing where like, like two men can't have a friendship without somebody going like, gay, you know, but like still like that's, there's some subtext to that friendship, you know? I mean, the resident is fine, but like, how do they, how do they not get, um, Emily Van Camp onto agents of shield for like a, an arc? Well, like Emily Van Camp and, uh, Maria Hill there, Kobe Smulders. Like, not that I don't enjoy Melinda May, like Ming Nguyen and Chloe Bennett. They're both great on the show, but like, it really seems like you could have had a show with agent 13 and Maria Hill too, you know, but they were mm-hmm. both like under contract for other things at the time. Yeah. Well, I think Emily Van Camp was like, what was, what was the post Everwood show? Like brothers and sisters or whatever. Revenge? And then revenge. Yeah. Fucking revenge. She was well, doing brothers revenge. Sisters, I think it was before of, revenge. She was doing revenge at uh, the time that agents of shield would happen. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. Well, they're both ABC shows. I feel mm-hmm. like you could have made that work. I think it just um, the timing didn't quite work. Like if you'd waited a year, you could have done Agents of Shield with them in it. But I don't know. I like Chloe Bennett, so I'm not complaining. Oh, so I've I've slowly dipped my toe back in the uh, fucking quicksand that is Instagram stories, and I got to say, there's only one presence that I've seen that my 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 limited sampling has taken up the fire of the Dre Davis Instagram mm-hmm. presence, and that's Chloe Bennett. Oh, really? Maybe that's a follow I need to make. She's an Instagram story person with like no fucks to give. She does not care what bridges she burns. She's awesome. So you're saying it's not a bunch of like her doing her makeup for a photo shoot? There is a little bit of that, but there's also like she has somehow found her way into like a friend's like room while they're out of town and she is just like pulling out their outfits and making fun of them. Hmm, Okay. And I'm just, I mean, fucking that that might be a follow I need to make. It's like the end of like their. Yeah, explore the Chloe Bennett I'm, thing. We'll I, talk about that. that I might and, need to uh, drop Mr. Trooper Dare and uh, Age of Ultron. I might need to drop Mr. Keegan Allen and adopt Chloe Bennett instead on my Instagram. Like I need. To I gotta say the Keekster, the Keekster has really like he's put down the Olympic torch. He's not running with it anymore. Yeah, it's a whole lot of it. he's putting out a new photo book called Hollywood. Yay! Yeah. Well, he's like, did he get a note from someone that's like stopping weird? Yeah, I don't know. Stop, stop trying to be like uh, Instagram's James Franco. <laughs> James Franco, not a good look anymore. 
Anyway, the Avengers. I um, don't know what normal is. So Thor is boring <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, he's super boring. I, I sometimes I think that Joss Whedon's conception of the characters in this movie is a little less nuanced, and maybe that's just a factor if he's the first one to do it. But like, I feel like future MCU writers dig deeper. Like Whedon's take is very surface level for the most part. Like you get a little maybe on Widow, and that's about it. Like he's very comic booky. You get some comedic moments of him, if I remember correctly, in like the party stuff, which is the is some of the best stuff in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. But then the only thing else I remember from Thor in Age of Ultron is the fucking like orgasm, Heimdall flashback, acid dream yeah. like bath that he takes. Yeah, that's not the which, greatest scene in the movie. Who hasn't who hasn't like had a weird fantasy about Idris Elba in a, in a spa? I mean, we've all been there. We've that, all been there. That and like the girlfriend bragging with him and Tony, right? I think. That's oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe Whedon doesn't really know what to do with Thor because he kind of gets rid of Thor for part of that movie as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um. So, anyways, we get to the the big fight. If there's a yeah, there's the well, there's a the aforementioned before a uh, uh, Loki's uh, Iron Man talk. Um, at one point, uh, Tony's like putting on the little bracelets. He gets thrown out a window. He gets the uh, fucking outfit put on him, like as he's falling to his death, which you love, as you said. It's cool. I thought to myself, how fucking crazy is for like the pedestrians of NYC who are just like strolling through the city and they look up and there's Tony Stark falling to his goddamn death, almost splatting on top of them. Mm-hmm. He fires a thruster and fires and flies away. How many aliens, how many Chitauri do you think make it into New York here when the portal opens? Like a couple hundred maybe at most? Conservatively, 500. Conservatively, okay. That's, I, I would say, I would put it like 200 personally, but uh, you're okay. going a little higher. I, it doesn't seem like they get that many dudes into New York before what the Avengers they, are, are cleaning up. doing? What are they even like? What are their orders? Yeah. They're they're on the street at one point. They're, they're blasting away. They've been and then they're, they're taking fucking hostages in a bank. Like, what are you even doing? The Chitauri have been ordered to terrorize the fuck out of this one stretch of freeway that they filmed in Cleveland that they had permission yeah, to yeah, use yeah. and blow up cars. Yeah, I kept waiting for them to pick up like some spray paint cans and like like do some fucking graffiti on the street. You get your uh, dollhouse cameo with uh, Inver. What's his name here? Before he goes over to Agent Carter. I felt like there was like a quip that Captain America could have made here. They just doesn't like instead he just fights. Doesn't he have a thing where he's just like, son, just don't. Which yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That when he's taking over the shit. Yeah. It It is when he's taking over the Quinjet. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So when the guy's like, you don't have you don't have paperwork, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I kept thinking, like, is there a deleted scene where they all get earpieces? Or are they just like, fuck it? We don't care. Fuck it. I yeah. Um, I, I think they must have earpieces that they just didn't show. So let me ask you this: Who do you well, think yeah, they have earpieces? Because they're all talking to each other in different parts of yeah. the city. <laughs> Seriously, who do you think Whedon has the best handle on of the six Avengers? Um, by the end of this, by this sequence, it's uh, it's probably Tony Stark. Really? It changes. It changes. I, I mean, there's. Like- part- I feel like his Tony is a little bit too much of a dick. Not that Tony isn't a dick, but I feel like he plays it up a little more than usual. I I, I would probably go I, with Black Widow, with the exception that he, he has a, he puts jokes in her mouth she shouldn't make. So here's what I think is Joss Whedon's thing: 
he has a handle on whichever Avenger he can like solo speechify. If I, they are a two-hander and they can like they can like deliver a couple lines like like uninterrupted, unseparated from anyone else, he has a handle on them. When you put them in the group sequence, it's all in service of the plot. If you're lucky if it's in service of the character, and that's when I think Black Widow gets the shortest shrift. Well, I guess my feeling is that I feel like Hawkeye is a non-entity. He has no idea what to do with Thor. I don't think he really understands Captain America at all. Tony, he kind of gets, but I feel like he's a little broad with Tony. I do think he mostly mm-hmm. understands Black Widow, like like deeply so. The same with Banner. I feel like he does actually connect with those two characters the most, even if there are times when I feel like his interpretation isn't very good. Mm, that's fair. Anyway, that's a sneak preview of my ratings. Uh, anyway, there's a uh, big fucking so, long ass action sequence that lasts like a half hour. So as from, I want to say it's first coined in the Netflix shows. We will find out that this is the New York incident. The incident, yeah, yeah. yeah um, can you? Yeah. So there, there's action sequences all throughout this. I mean, do you have anything in particular to note about some of this shit in New York? I mean, I think um, I mean is, I have a few. Captain America finally like works for me when he's like just like taking charge and like like directing troops on the ground. There's a pretty humorous moment when he's got the fucking like uh, like the cops who won't take his orders, and then some shit happens, and they're like suddenly like taking his orders. I mean, that's see, I feel like he needed a line like, there. He needed an extra line. Like, who am I? I'm Captain America, or I don't know, something like that. But, that is like it's so indicative like some kind of like i don't know it's so vague i can't i can't verbalize it perfectly some kind of 80s type of filmmaking the only thing missing from this movie is the scene where a bunch of people are watching the tv in a bar and cheering see i would say rather rather than 80s i would say 90s that's more the vibe i get from this movie okay what is the what is a 90s action movie that you would think is like the perfect template like if you were directing this movie it's the same movie here what would you have your crew watch to get them in the I right mean, mindset? There's maybe a little, a little bit of Independence Day here. Um, there, I mean, it's the introduction of irony, I guess, is the dividing line between the 80s and 90s. Um, I mean, I have, I have a few comments on the action here. Number one, the like you mentioned, the big rotating shot of all the Avengers, legendary, right? Like, that's just that that was in the trailer. That was what sold all the tickets. People are like, fuck, Necessary yes, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Black Widow's line, I, I don't see how that's a party terrible line. That That's Joss Whedon talking, not her. Um, the line, that's my secret cap, I'm always angry. That is an instant classic Hollywood line. That is a great line. It's a, a line that launched a thousand memes. I mean, it's perfect. That's It's a fucking perfect Hulk line. I don't know if you ever said that in a comic book or not, but that is like instantly the line from this movie, and that's what people remember. Black Widow has some crazy right. moves to get on and then off one of those like Jatari jet ski things that they're riding. At one point, she's just like stabbing one of the dudes and well, like she, working him like the controls. She like which, she gets like bounced on a shield and does like a like a seven twenty spin and then grabs onto that thing and then later she like flips off of it. It's very cool. Um, yeah, which, which again. Let me just take that line out of context because I've had a few drinks and mm-hmm. it's late at night. She works him like the controls. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, at any point, did you think Tony Stark would die here in this movie? Um, no, because no? by this point, I've reminded myself of like Joss Whedon's way of like playing with your expectations. They definitely the camera tells you both when he's gone through the portal and come back out and when he's laying on the ground, the framing, like the mid shots of all of them standing around his body, especially the part where Thor rips off the helmet and throws so it to the foreground. So you're us. saying it's it's too conventionally telegraphed too so that it's perfect. not yes. going to happen. Yeah, it's too absolutely. There's perfect. no leaf on the wind moment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember because I feel like uh, but there was imagine- maybe speculation that he could die in this movie. Like, I don't think they had greenlit Iron Man 3 yet, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that, but I feel like there's well, at least a vague possibility that they would kill off one of the Avengers in this movie. Well, think about that. And then think about the fact that he got paid $50 million for less than 15 minutes of screen time in the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I don't even want to stack that bread up, man. Yeah. Oh, seriously. His kids are fine. They're mm-hmm. fucking fine. Don't even worry about Marvel's like, oh, darn, third. your contract ends in Infinity War 4. That's too bad. Yeah. Um. Can you imagine if he actually did fall all the way to the ground inside that limp Iron Man outfit? I feel like the armor suit would survive, but inside would just be like fucking billionaire jelly. I mean, he basically has in the past, though, right? He's gotten slammed into the ground at times, which essentially the same impact speed. But sure, I gotta whatever. say, I don't know if like when we actually, I don't know if I'm like looking forward to talking about it when we get to it, but I'm looking forward to rewatching Iron Man three. I remember really enjoying that movie and finding it like surprising to handle like the PTSD aspect of Tony falling out of this movie. Yeah, boring, hot, boring hot take. It's a good movie, not a good Iron Man movie. Can you literally not say hot take for the rest of the movie or rest of the podcast? Literally, I can Figuratively, you will. Um, although I am looking forward to talking about that movie because it features your favorite child actor. Fucking What's kid. his fucking you face? Know, I didn't mind him in that movie, and then I saw Jurassic World, and I wanted him to die. I'm so glad they, they didn't like cast that kid as Will Robinson. By a bunch of say. copies. So that show's good, right? I should watch that. Uh good. It's not actually. Should I watch it? Let me say that. Watch the first episode and okay. talk to me. I'd like to see your your feelings on the first episode. Okay. I'll give you my non-warm uh, take about it. Okay, yeah, give me your tepid take. Mm-hmm. Um, I will look forward to hearing it in your dulcet, sexy tones. Um, so at the end, as he's like crawling up the steps inside like Tony's penthouse, does Loki literally not hear the rest of them? Like, or all of them have come in and like they're doing their hero pose above him? yeah who knows you just you go with it well, it's, like, he it, looks around a little bit like he's like it's a different day he doesn't like 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 one of these two aspects is a reshoot like he's like looking over here looking over here looking over here oh looking over here fixing my gaze it's like they're bitch they're standing right the fuck over you i mean this is definitely a movie where joss is leaning into his blockbuster tendencies it's like we're we're gonna have some fun, yeah. Sure, Hulk is gonna smash Thor there, and it's just gonna be funny, and you're gonna go with it, and you're not gonna ask too many questions, you know. I I like Nick Fury oh, having yeah, a I, rocket I, launcher I, out of nowhere there when the the planes are taking off with their nuclear weapons. Yeah, I like the oh, beat, the beat where uh, 
Tony's calling Pepper and she doesn't pick up. Like, I like that she doesn't pick up. It's a nice subversion there. Usually in a movie, she would. And then we'd have this, like, this conversation, you know, where he's just, like, you know, talking about his regrets or whatever and how he, he loves her and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But instead, it's like, oh, she just she misses the call. I like that. That's a nice beat. It's very fatalistic. And it's like, oh, maybe he I, will die. I feel like Joss Whedon really had to fight for that. I, I That's my mm-hmm. guess is... I think that's a surprisingly interesting moment in this movie. Cause like you said, it's such a subversion and it so fits like where the Tony character could go. Like what if he truly is alone and he is the guy who has to, what is it? Jump on a wire or down friend? on the wire. wire yeah. 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 Um, what if laying down on the wire and cutting the wire are the exact same thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just works with like the, like, this last hour like version of Thor that we've come to accept where his secret is always angry and he can control it. And there's like the big guy has a whole personality of itself, the whole like, okay, Tony's going to die. And the Thor just like barks at him and he's like, Oh fuck, which is like one of my favorite, like uh Tony Stark moments actually of just like, what the hell? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. So New York is over. We get a lot of like potential track, for like the future of the franchise set up with like the, the fucking news footage at the end. There's people not feeling safe. They want questions answered with the Avengers There's people being thankful. There's a fucking guy getting like a Tony Stark goatee. There's you a get guy getting Stan a tattoo cap shield. You get fucking Stanley, which feels very weird now with the conflicting Stanley elder abuse stories. Um, you get the persuasive eyewitness testimony of the waitress on the news that calms down the, uh, like nefarious shield council, including there's Jenny a lot of, There's a lot of deleted American scenes Werewolf. where this this waitress is like thirsty for Cap. It's like there's a scene where he just like goes and gets lunch in New York, and like she's his waiter. Like I guess there's which a lot I like. more with her. Also, I think that that's the one I remember, and I think that worked for me because it's basically like he, it's like his his routine as he's like listless through his day in like modern society, and then he goes to the gym. It's like the one place where he can like drown himself in his thoughts. And I liked seeing her just a little bit before you see her in some of the later sequences. I, I so do feel that's like it, I was coming before. I think it works a little bit better to save his man out of time stuff for Captain America too, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like say that. By the way, that that actress, the the waitress there is Ashley Johnson, who, if I am not mistaken, does the voice of Ellie in The Last of Us, which is a fucking amazing video game. Um, I think that poor actress is like uh, conscripted to blind spot on TV now. Yes, it is. She mm-hmm. does the Last of Us voice. Okay. The Last of Us, good, good game. Hmm. Anyway, do we have anything else to say about this? There's some bullshit about like the uh, the World Security Council talking to Nick Fury, where like he defied a direct order and like whatever, it's fine. He's Nick Fury. And he's like talking to Maria Hill. He's like, Avengers will show up again if we need them. And she's like, whatever, man. I'm trying to remember what's the, it's trouble, man. That's the, uh, the thing added to the list in winter soldier. Yeah. Depending on, uh, I think there's different lists depending on like what country you watch it in. Yeah. I like how, uh, we, we get this shot of them like going their separate ways, like Tony and Bruce drive off and like his like souped up, 
fancy car or whatever it is that they made just for the movie. Are they dating? Yeah. Yes, um, they are. Um, Widow and Hawkeye get in like what appears to be some kind of like shield issue Dodge Charger or something. <laughs> like it's some sort of muscle car with a shield logo on it. I like that. There was something about when I'm watching the sequence where he's just like staring down Loki in his stupid shades and like Natasha whispers something in his ear and he smiles. <laughs> yeah. See that, that I mean, the Clintasha shippers, it's not like they had nothing to work with. You know, I don't I don't yeah. agree with that shit, but it's not like there's nothing there for them to build on. Yeah, it's vastly, vastly less than like the Raylo shippers have to work on. Um, Fucking Raylo's canon at this point. I'm sorry. Like, did you watch The Last Jedi? They're basically fucked. <laughs> Ryan Johnson hey, even they, said so. Okay. They touched hands through the force. Ryan Johnson even said they basically had a sex scene. So uh, that is how Ben Solo lost his virginity. Mm-hmm. He lost it before Steve Rogers. Um, so, yeah, we see like. Like Tony and like Pepper, like getting ready to rebuild inside okay. Stark Tower. Can we talk about the Tesseract can now teleport people? I guess. Sure. I mean, it's a space stone, if I you, think. If so, sure. Handle. Yeah, if you turn the handle. Yeah. I believe this is supposed to be the space zone, which would make sense because it, it could open a portal. So, yeah, fine. It can teleport people. Yeah, I'll say the whole thing is it opens a portal in like the beginning of the movie, and that's how Loki crouches his way into this movie. Sure. You, you turn the handles the right way, it teleports you back to Asgard. Let's just catch people up in case who could give a fuck. There's the Mind Stone, the, the Reality Stone, the mind, Power Stone. Oh, no, no, stone don't don't just list the fucking stones. You gotta say where the stones are. The Mind Stone okay, so is inside of Vision. It's from, it's from the, the Mind staff. Stone is from, according to this thing I'm reading, the Avengers, Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, and Civil War. Reality Stone is from the Dark World, which is the Thor movie that's best forgotten. No, you're not. You're not you got to say what it is, not what movie it's in. The Mind Stone is in Vision. That's what powers him. The Reality the Stone is the Ether from Thor: yes. The Dark World. The Space Stone. Are you doing this all from memory? This is all from memory, this? man. I'm not fucking around. The Space wow. Stone is the Tesseract. The Power okay, there's Stone. No space stone. What? There's no Space Stone. Are you sure? What, I'm sure. What do they call it then? Mind, reality, power, time, and soul. There's six stones. Oh, I'm only looking to think of five. Okay. The space stone is a oh, tesseract. I'm sorry. I think hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Click harder next time. The space stone is a tesseract. The power stone is a stone from Guardians of the Galaxy. The time stone is from the Eye of Agamotto in uh, Doctor Strange. The soul stone we have yet to discover. Mm-hmm. That's the one that everyone thought was going. First, they thought it was going to be in Ragnarok, and that was what, like what powered Odin, and then that didn't happen. And they thought it was going to be in Black mm-hmm. Panther, and then that didn't happen. Maybe it still is in Wakanda, because like why else is Thor going to Wakanda? Or not Thor, uh, Thanos going to Wakanda? So Thanos. Thanos, yeah. Maybe uh, th- there's a reason Thanos is going there, because the soul stone is there, but uh, we don't know yet. You have read that in your notes. You wrote this down this before. It's not written down, man. I've 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 gone down a few like you know black holes on the internet before. Oh shit, dude! Um, I I ain't fronting. That's just that's my knowledge. That's my Infinity Stone knowledge. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I've you know what? Never read any you're of these comics, down, by the way. So yeah, you never read the comics. You just know your Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. 
You got the stones. I keep track of that shit. Benjo Dark has the stones. Um, so we get Tony and Pepper. They're getting ready to rebuild Stark Tower. Uh, everything's gone outside, but the A, of course. Um, would, would it have been a nice which touch? Point, I'm like, where's Bruce Banner? Would, would it have been a nice touch for this tower that they're rebuilding if it said like pots on the side? I mean, obviously they're not going there because it's going to be the Avengers you know, building, but you know. Yeah, it's it's a tough joke because that that's as much as I personally love that line for realsies. Like she's not getting it. you have to set. Yeah, I mean, well, I feel like they're like deleted scene somewhere in Dubai is like the Potts Tower. Um, that's the one that my, that uh, uh, Ethan Hunt is like crawling up the side mm-hmm. of. So is Tony like just arranging these like awkward situations where he gets the full round of Pepper and then like Bruce shows up for their like you know aforementioned like scheduled oh, total meeting. third wheel man yeah no is he a third wheel or was like is like tony like setting these situations up i i think it's both i think it's something okay. where like bruce thinks he's gonna go just like catch a bite to eat with uh with tony there and tony like Bo- suddenly suddenly it's like oh i'm having dinner with you and pepper this is weird like why did you invite me what the fuck dude tone bone is is here's the thing about tony stark you know, like Loki's gone, but Tony Stark is like the god of like trickster threesomes on Earth. I feel like in you're, the, in the you're really into the whole Tony is by thing is what I'm picking up on this podcast. That's what I'm reading. I'm just grabbing at straws. Um, so the guy playing Thanos in the mocap in this movie is named Damon Pointier. Sure. They're they're doing the whole oh the to face the humans again would be courting death, and Thanos smiles because at that point the whole death plot line is still part of Thanos's origin, which I don't think it is now. It's not in the movies. In the comics, they still have not dropped that. Like that's a big boner for him is like uh, seducing Lady Death. I mean, for a while, uh, we thought that movies, would be Kate Blanchett as Death, but that doesn't seem like it's happening. So, which would have been cool. Uh, yeah. So Thanos' whole thing is that he just like goes from planet to planet, like having the population. Do you see that Carrie Coon is going to be Proxima Nova piece. in the infinity war or Proxima midnight? Sure. Whatever. Well, like I'm all for more Carrie Coon, but I feel like, like you're wasting her particular talents here. I mean, who was wasted more her or Natalie Dormer? <laughs> I guess we we don't know yet with Carrie Coon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is this was also pre like peak Natalie Dormer we were talking about in the first Avenger. Yes, so yeah. Which what a weak subtitle! It's like you're just begging people to go see this fucking movie, this oh, fucking Chris Columbus movie. Can we talk about title? That was Joe Johnston, but uh, can we talk about subtitles for a moment? The oh, you know what Joe Johnson and Chris Columbus are almost the same entity to me. Like they are the shit insulted Joe Johnston. Joe Johnson did the Rocketeer. Give him some credit. They're the, they like the they are like the fucking like infinity ankle ring to me. You're right. I do have much love for the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. I would I am still campaigning in the vacuum to myself to have the Rocketeer be a headcanon movie. Yeah, maybe someday. I want It's the one movie in which Billy Campbell doesn't play a rapist. One movie, okay. Not familiar with this filmography. I'll take your word for it. I want to talk about the title Avengers Infinity War for a moment. Okay. It used to be the Avengers like part three and part four. And they're like, 
Marvel is like, oh, it looks like the whole part one, part two thing like doesn't work well anymore. Suddenly we were, hey guys, it's not going to be a two part movie anymore. It's Infinity War is going to be a single contained movie, and, and Avengers Four will just be about something else entirely. And people just went with it. I couldn't believe how successful they were at that campaign. It's clearly a part one of a two part movie, and they're just everyone's just like, oh yeah, sure, Infinity War, and then the one that comes a year later that's going to pick up the storyline, but it's not a part two. It's amazing to me, like, how how did they Jedi mind trick that where everyone just, like, went with it? It blows my mind. Well, they didn't really. I mean, you're just reading a few wayward people on the internet. No, they they, did. They did. The general public has been convinced. Okay. Thanos. uh, Loki. Uh, Here's how they sold people, though. They can't tell you the fucking title of Avengers 4 because it's so goddamn spoilery. Sure. The title is Infinity War Part 2. Yeah. That's how you know it's part two is because whatever the fuck happens at the end of Avengers three is so spoilery. They can't tell you the titles of part four. But no, like in, in the mass media culture, it's just accepted that like Avengers four is a different movie and it's not just a part two. And it's like, wow, yeah, what, what marketing you, prowess you have Marvel to convince people of that. You're, you're goddamn naive. If you think that's true. Like, I think if you don't go see it, no, I'm not saying 3, I think it's can't. true. I'm saying most know, people I think that. it's I true. I I know, I know. I think Avengers 3, if you don't go see that in the theater the first weekend, you're so screwed because I guarantee that they're going to tell you the title of Avengers 4 at the end of that movie. And I think you're going to see it on the fucking Twitter and you're going to be so pissed off because your tickets aren't for like two weeks from now. Um, Who are these weird losers? I don't care about them. I don't know. I haven't bought tickets yet. Have you? No. I only buy early tickets for uh, Star Wars movies, really. And even then, not that okay. early. I don't know. Like, I'll show up. I know. I don't even know when I'm going to see it. Like, probably not opening night, but I'll see it eventually. Well, some sometime opening weekend, I'm sure. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Can I just like movie pass my way into this movie? Mm, I feel like you'd have to show up at like the earliest showing of the day for that. It's going to be pretty okay. packed, I would guess. Okay, that's fair. Or at the very least, show up early in the day and buy a ticket for later on. Like I think it's going to be pretty packed. I've from what I have read, it's been like blown away all previous like Marvel movie pre-sales, but has mm-hmm. not touched the Force Awakens, which is like the standard which will never be met by anything else because Star Wars is just special and different in that way. Oh, what's the the nickname I just I somehow just discovered, which is uh, Ruin Johnson. Hello, <laughs> whatever. Hanging up, stars fans. Uh, <laughs> this is where I miss Greedo. I miss like the fun that like Scavenger Horde is having, and all the other various like Star Wars podcasts. We, like we, uh, we never even posted the last episode of that pod. It's just sitting there dead. Oops. Hmm. Oopsie gypsy. I don't even remember what that was about. Greedo. Yeah. What was the last episode? I don't know. Probably about a trailer or something. Yeah. Yeah, you should post that. Have you seen the new solo uh TV spot? Uh I don't think so. Oh, it's good. It's, yeah. this is the one I was like, okay, I'm I'm vibing it. Like they're on to something now. Like it's a it's a Chewbacca showcase for sure. There's a sure. there's a bit where Han Solo is like tapping his cards at the table and he's nervous. And then he like leans over and shows him the Chewie and Chewie's just like, 
and it's fucking hilarious like it is like genuinely fucking just funny as hell like i, I feel like he's gonna be their secret weapon that movie not londa but chewy uh so in classic marketing style is there like a name for this commercial tv spot a uh, crew i think is uh I mean, it's on the Star Wars YouTube if you want to watch it. Okay. Crew TV spot. I'm going to watch this while you talk. I'm going to watch it too while I talk. Cool. Let's, let's do it. They're on a train. Yeah. He's met Chewie in this movie? What do you mean? Of course. He, he asked Chewie his name. Okay. Of course he'd met Chewie. I mean. Well, isn't the can I'm sorry, I'm pausing this commercial. Isn't the canon that like, he rescues Chewie? So he's going to rescue Chewie. He's going to potentially do the Kessel Run. He's going to meet Londo and get the uh, Millennium Falcon all in this one movie. Yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking this is a crazy idea. Of course he's going to do all these fucking things. Of course he's going to do every fucking other thing that Han Solo has done in his lifetime in this two and a half hour movie. I mean, the only question is, is he going to get his uh, Carillion blood stripes? The only other question is, is he going to be handed a pair of dice that we've only previously seen like in a Marvel Comics issue from like this 80s? That fucking true alliance was like, it's disgusted. Uh, great trailer. I think actually there is. What if a, uh, Woody Harrelson also has a twin in this? As a what? A wig? What if Woody Harrelson also has a twin? A twin. A twin. A twin. Yeah. Twin and or wig. Mm-hmm. Both apply to Woody Harrelson. I don't think so. I believe there is like, there's something. I don't know if it's like a movie still or like a trading card or something or other where. Uh, Kira, the Daenerys' character, is holding the dice. So apparently the dice go. Oh, away. nice. Yeah. Metaphorically holding his balls there. Anyway, do we have anything else to say about the Avengers? Oh, make one change. Oh, we have to do power rankings. See, shit. Power rankings. I want to apologize to everyone because, man, that mango vodka got on top of me. <laughs> I think you need to get it underneath you, if you know what I mean. Well, I don't even know what that means. Anyways, power rankings. Yeah, I, I should say I begin these power rankings by putting one person at number one and one person at number 10. Can you guess who's at number 10? Hawkeye. Bam. Nailed it. You know, yeah, I don't know about Hawkeye. Like my initial conception of Hawkeye from way back in the day was that he was in that Avengers video game, which was the shit, by the way, the arcade game. Um, I liked him in that. Okay. He had a bow like Dudes with bows and arrows were always cool. And yet he shows up in this uh-huh. movie and I'm like, man, Hawkeye sucks. Like, I don't know. He's just fucking boring in this movie. It, it's like we didn't know what to do with him. And so he just had him brainwashed, which is, I got to say, being brainwashed is about the worst character turn that can possibly happen. Even worse than amnesia, I would say. Hmm. Am I wrong, hmm. dude? Uh, For further, you know, backstory, catch out. Benjamin Light's like, uh, you know, Lazarus Pit hot takes from uh, you just said the, there. the last, yeah, fuck off. The last like fucking Hunger Games of the quartet there. How much you would love brainwashed characters? 
I don't enjoy them. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about Jeremy Renner. He just is not a. The the eye just wants to look away from this bro. He is just like he's the in the Matrix. There's the red pill, and then there's like whatever the opposite of the little blue pill that we hand people. <laughs> now you're just being mean. I like Renner saying like the Hurt Locker. I just like like yeah. this and in the uh, Ghost Protocol, which I really enjoyed. I just feel like he's like he's miscast. I don't know. There's certain types of characters he's good at playing, and I don't think Hawkeye is one of them. He's not bad think, as Hawkeye. He's just boring as Hawkeye. I feel like Renner is more perfectly cast in Mission Impossible Rogue State. I'm sorry. I just properly titled that movie. It's Rogue Nation. Um, it should be called Rogue State. He's more properly cast in Rogue Nation than he is in uh, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Yeah, which is a fun movie. Um and and you know part of the problem there is is he might be the victim of bad marketing because wasn't that one the one we were told like oh Ghost Protocol is going to be the handoff from like Ethan Hunt to like whoever the fuck Jeremy Renner's playing and it's like you after, watch Ghost Protocol after you're like, going to get the no handoff in the Bourne movies too yeah it just didn't happen either time which by the way I got to say this is super boring this is super vanilla mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of possibility in a Treadstone TV show man fucking hard pass. I'm sorry. I the 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 born the Borniverse. I'm out on. I just don't care. If you throw out a lot of the shit from the movies and just make it your own thing, I think there's a possibility there. I really do. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I think it's true. Um, I liked the first like 20 minutes of whatever the fuck the the Jeremy Renner born movie was. There was an interesting idea there about like the mundanity of like I like why we need to like remove the characters um i like that it wasn't directed by paul greengrass that's for sure who was it directed by who can remember oh okay that's right yeah that's why you've had the extended like thing of rachel vice like the realtor or whatever in the her fucking new house um did you see the uh the savage tony gilroy interview about uh rogue one i saw some headlines about it i he could he could not wipe his ass of star wars fast enough he could not care less he's like bragging about not caring which is why he's able to do his job whatever which, which rogue one sucks is, sorry what an alien would say to prove that they're not human for sure but mm-hmm. like uh like at the same time i feel like he's the guy you bring in when you have a gareth edwards is he gareth edwards, gareth I might have edwards. That. yeah not uh, what's the other one evans yeah no it's edwards edwards yeah yeah i feel confident oh, yeah, so- after watching that uh solo tv spot that uh, solo is going to be better than rogue one let me put it that way how could it not be? Let me tell you who I care about. I care about Chewbacca. Let me tell you I don't, okay. don't care about anyone who is in Rogue One. Well, I, mean, I guess dead, I care about so. Leia, but sure. You know, whatever. <laughs> what about Darth Vader, bro? I mean, I care about Bail Organa's turtleneck. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That turtleneck is a big star. Yeah, any of the main movie? characters, though, pass. Oh no, Cassian Andor. Tell me more about your backstory, Snooze. Oh god, that guy. Well, that was bad casting. Like, it was why bad. We get... No, it was just bad. It was just bad, period. <laughs> why didn't we get the other half? E2 Mama, Mama Tambien. Gallagher Garcia Bernal. He would have been wasted in that movie. There'd been nothing for him to do. Mozart and the Death Star. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, 
anyway, so I think we're universally agreed for all time. It is written in stone. Hawkeye is number ten, and that I'm, is I mean, I'm not saying Hawkeye may I I you know I haven't made my rankings yet. He may rise a fair amount in Age of Ultron, but in this movie, he is Ooh. he is a ten for sure, and that not in Ooh. a good way. Ooh. Not in the Bo Derek way. No, that's not a good way either. But you know what I mean. <laughs> a Dudley Moore kind of way. Yeah. Uh, what, is there, what is the recent remake movies? Is it Tarzan with Bo Derek? <laughs> oh, <laughs> or the, like uh, weird cuck of a husband. The best joke ever in We Hate Movies is the uh, the it evolved from the like, could you not take your feet out? I have a foot fetish. <laughs> it's like, could you not like diss Jeremy Renner? I have a mediocre actor actor fetish. Mm-hmm. No, no, I got it, guys. Age of Ultron. Uh, anyways, number nine. I have. Thor, because Thor oh, is real bland in this movie. Did you not put him on your list? No, he's my number nine. You okay. read my mind. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're amazing, sir. You shit Sardust. Uh, what's your number eight? Maybe controversial. I know a lot of people really like this character. I don't. Uh, at least not in this movie. Loki. I just I felt he was boring for most of the movie. He's just okay. like giving a lot of like stupid speeches. I didn't care about. Okay. Um, my actual number eight is uh, Nick Fury. Okay. Yeah, was, that was what I predicted. Yeah. Nick Fury is my number seven. He's fun in this movie. I I like me some Nick Fury. I think his best movie is definitely Winter Soldier. He fucking owns that movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he's, he's a steady hand at the tilt. I hope he's he's got to be in an Infinity War, right? I don't know. I'm not sure about that, but I feel like he needs to be. He was kind of like the glue holding everything together for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, your number eight was Loki. My number seven is Loki. Okay, so yeah, we're just like minorly flipped there. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of Loki in this movie? Um, it's off and on. I think his character is is shoehorned into the movie. There's like zero reason for him to be there. Every third scene is like written with purpose. I, I don't blame this on Tom Hiddleston. I think he's not bad at all. Um, Tom Hiddleston is probably the greatest contribution of Kenneth Branagh to this franchise, uh, but it, it's still not his best role. I think he's best served, obviously, in his various um, uh, uh, Thor movies. Isn't he mm-hmm. like? Doesn't he have a cameo in Ultron? Ultron? Does he have a cameo? Mm, man, I don't remember him in Ultron. I could be wrong, but I don't We're going to find out next week. Yeah. Um INDB update. I just checked Samuel L's INDB. He is an, I do not see an Infinity War listed here. That's a disappointment. That's crazy. I don't so, know what's going what, on. He's like out of contract or what, but maybe he shows up in the what next is one. the last thing with Samuel L in these movies? Doesn't he Winter Soldier, I guess? He's in Winter Soldier. Then he goes to Agents of and Shield for like one scene. Was okay. Was Age of Ultron before or after Winter Soldier? I seriously can't remember. I think it was after. I, I think it's after. Yeah. As if it matters. But mm-hmm. he's also in Age of Ultron. He's in that. Yeah. So that, okay. yeah. So that's I guess the last we see of him. That's kind of weird. I mean, and made some Agents of Shield in there. Um, oh no, he's fucking in Captain Marvel of all movies. Okay, so at least he's. Oh, that's be in right. That. The Maybe, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he pops up in like Infinity War two or something, you know, and they just haven't listed him. 
Um, Again, Captain Marvel, you're bringing back Coulson. Just squeeze in Melinda May. That's all I'm asking maybe, for. Maybe a little Peggy Carter. Just saying. Um, he's gonna, Peggy Carter, why not? Samuel L. Upcoming films. Shaft. Playing John Shaft 2. I don't know what that is, but I dig it. He's playing John Shaft 2 or it's Shaft His character is titled. His, the name of his character is John Shaft 2. I don't know what that means because it's a Shaft reboot, but sure. You're scaring the shit. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be like the main Shaft in that movie. It's going to be someone else. <laughs> Who will be the main Shaft? Is he going to be like Shaft Senior as a Shaft yeah, Junior? Let me take a look oh, wow. The, the picture on the IMDb is fascinating. Okay, so we, Richard Roundtree is, is credited as Shaft 1. Okay, and there's Jesse, the Shaft Junior, Jesse T. Usher. Who the hell is this? Is that just Usher or is that somebody? No, no, no it's no. not him. Uh, I don't know who the hell that is. They're filming this right now. Hmm. All right. Oh, wow. I mean, I guess. How if... did we? Alexander Ship, Regina Hall, Method Man, Method Man. How did we not hear this movie was happening? Can we talk about the Shaft remake and what a ridiculous movie that was? Yeah, not a great movie. Um, God, drawn up in which Christian Bale plays uh, the racist Patrick Bateman Jr. <laughs> yeah, it plays Patrick Bateman Jr. And then, um, what's his name? Felix Leiter is great. In that I'm drawing a blank on that dude's name. I love that guy. Why can't I remember his name right now? He popped up randomly in Game Night of all movies. His um, character is called Easy. He's playing like a Puerto oh. Rican dude in that movie somehow. Yeah, yeah, he's in Puerto Rican. Yeah, you Google the movie. The shaft, the new shaft, is directed by the guy who directed Fantastic Four somehow. So there you go, Tim Story. Well, I'm always up for a new shaft movie. Uh, have you ever seen Shaft from Africa or Shaft in Africa? I have not. No, I want to see that movie. But... Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Why can't we remember that? Bernard slash spoiler mm-hmm. Arnold from the West World, which comes back this month. Very soon, I think. Yeah, I guess I need to get. Oh HBO shit! This again. cast, this cast is such a 2000 cast. Samuel L. Vanessa L. Williams, Jeffrey Wright, Christian Bale, Dan Hedaya, Buster Rhymes, <laughs> and Tony Collette. God damn, yeah. this movie was really bad. That movie and was I, bad. Yeah, we saw it in the theater, and it was bad. There is double on the poster on Wikipedia. There are double taglines. One is "Still the Man," <laughs> and the other is "Any questions." <laughs> Uh, remember, yes, I have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember when he th- when he quits the police force by throwing his police badge like a ninja star like at, at the, the judge. at the judge? Yeah, and it sticks in. Yeah, mm. I just I feel like Shaft like Shaft doesn't have to deal with p- police bureaucracy, right? Like, well, Shaft. making Shaft a cop just misses the whole point. Yeah, it's like Shaft and also somehow like a Shaft reboot and also like a Shaft sequel at the same time. This is a bad movie. I'm really worried about Shaft Jr. Although Shaft from Africa is a bonkers movie. I really recommend that. I mean, Shaft Jr., there's a lot of red flags there, but I guess I hope that they learn their lesson from the Shaft reboot and they're going to do something different. Not that I want to like sentence him to only like like modern black exploitation movies, but like, how do you not at least back up a dump truck of cash to Killmonger to yeah. be Shaft Jr.? Like Michael B. Jordan's like very modern Shaft Jr. or like Donald Glover's modern Shaft Jr. Like you need a name, I feel like, to bring back this. That's this true. Potential yeah, you couldn't franchise. have gotten a Boyega or a Michael B. Jordan. You, you just got this. Ooh, Boyega would be really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Anyway, what were we on? Number seven, you you had Nick Fury or no? No, I, I, I had Nick Fury at eight and Loki at seven. Okay, Loki. yeah, in mine reverse. Number six, I have Agent Coulson. Okay, uh, number six, I actually have Maria Hill. Hmm, okay, I don't need to explain that. She's Maria Hill. She's there. I need to Coulson. He's enjoyable in this movie. He's, he's as at his most Coulson, and then of course he dies because that's how Joss Whedon rolls. Yeah, I mean, you, you get like a, a tiny bit of backstory on him. He's got a cellist ex girlfriend who moved to Portland. He's played by Amy Acker, and she's not busy being root on Person of Interest. Which... Well, he's like a guy who so Clark I guess basically survived on what like David Mamet roles, Plus, and then like in, in the bit, land of bit, women bit, in bit my parts in West Wing. I don't recall. We're going to do it in other women at some point, right? Yeah, fuck yes, we are, man. Um, God, that movie is so, so deliciously bad. It's like a fine feast of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, he's in the the phase one. Phase one was up to this movie, right? He pops one up movies, in Iron Man. He's he's like the, the like suit who's chasing after Iron Man but, the whole time. But his whole joke is like, it stands for like strategic homeland, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, jerk off, jerk off, jerk off, jerk off. And like, he survives that whole joke to this movie. He's in 500 days of summer. Wow. I guess he's not in Atlanta women. I feel is like he, he should be. Is he the, no, boss? he is. Like, Never mind. I'm re I'm misreading this. Cause I've had a few screwdrivers. He is definitely in, in the land of women. Oh, shoot. I don't know who he is in 500. Is he Meg Ryan's husband? Is is uh Nate character's name is Vance. Everyone, stop what you're doing and Google Clark Gregg. We need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Five hundred days summer. I got a big fight with my ex girlfriend over that movie. Anyhow, Agent Coulson number six. Who do yeah, you have? No, 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 no. What was the fight? I I guess it was about like who had the high ground. Maybe I don't know who was right. And who was wrong? Anakin. I have the okay. who who had the high ground. Was not, it you? Not, not you. Not me. No. Number was five. Was this what caused no. the end of the relationship? No. Oh darn. Who do you have for number five? <laughs> what are your three biggest fears? Uh, my number five is alligator slash Hulk. <laughs> crocodiles. Also crocodiles. Yeah. Aneurysms. Banner, huh? Okay, so you have Banner at number five. I okay. do. I do. Um. The Ruffalorosaurus is he's great in this movie. Like you said, he really nails the dichotomy of the character. He's doing uh, the first real like memorable, I guess, mocap of the of the franchise. Um, I like his banner a they lot knew, more Tony! than Sorry. yeah, exactly. Whatever you just said. Then the Eric Banner and the I never saw the Edward Norton one, obviously. Um, but also, I like that his Bruce Banner is not cheating on his wife. I respected that. Was there another? Oh, yeah, right. Sorry, that was a callback. Um, that we know of. I mean, we don't know. They never, it's weird that they mentioned Jane Foster and they never mentioned Betty. I mean, they, they do a Veronica joke in the next one, but. Who's Veronica? It's an Archie thing, you know. Betty's his oh, girlfriend. Oh, Veronica's the other one, the, the Hulkbuster. Sorry, in my mind, I was thinking like 
be sober enough to make a Liv Tyler joke. Be sober enough to make a Liv Tyler joke, and I lost it. So mm-hmm. you threw me. Isn't tonight the carry the musical? Oh, is that? T- I don't know when the fuck that show airs. I don't know. It's coming soon though. Supposedly that's good. I've that heard. Time. I've heard from sources on the Riverdale Maybe. Register that that is a good episode that turns the show around. Um, I guess I should catch okay. up on that show soon. How far behind are you? I don't even know. I don't know, but. I, my TV watching has gone straight to hell. Like I had no idea when anything airs anymore. There's, there's too much now. Like I'm officially overwhelmed by the amount of TV that's out. Like I've watched two episodes of Jessica Jones and all of a sudden there's like a whole lost in space series. I need to watch like it's, it's too much. I can't keep up anymore. I want to, I want to apologize to the people because right after PLO ended, you were all set to do a, uh, a bros watch Riverdale too. And I was like, I need a break. I, I think you made the right choice. Cause, you uh, you like you drew up art and everything like you had it ready to go. I mean, I made a little logo, but I I think we learned our lesson with the young Pope that it's hard to do a show that you don't have an appreciation for that you don't enjoy be, in spite of its flaws. And I man, if we were if we were doing Riverdale the way we did PLL, like I don't know what the fuck that show would be. We would fucking hate it probably. You know, mm. probably. Anyway. Where are we at? Number five? You had Banner? I had Banner. I had uh, my man Steve Rogers at number five. And this oh, is wow. this is just, so, this so isn't high. like, this Hello. isn't this isn't an overall rating for the characters, I want to say. This is just for this movie. I feel like I, I slot Steve Rogers at number five. Because I don't know that Joss Whedon entirely understands or knows how to write his character very well. So it's, it's a very source level interpretation. Yeah. Ooh, is that a train in the background there? That's very Joseph Doherty of you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I got distracted by the fact that... Uh, oh, you reminded me of something. Uh, I got distracted by the fact that the character that Clark Gregg plays in, in The Land of Women is called Nelson Hardwick. <laughs> yes, he's got like the husband also, or something, right? He's got to be. He's also an AI. He's an AI. His character is credited on Wikipedia as Super Nerd. Super Nerd. Oh, his yeah, he's his INDB is something else, man. It is fascinating. He's on West Wing for like eight episodes that I don't remember. He's like a he's like a uh, like a Secret Service agent or something. He's in When a Stranger Calls. Oh shit! He's in he's the in new Magnolia. Adventures. Old scene. Oh yeah, he's um he's the guy who 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 works on the set. Okay, sure. I keep thinking he's Thomas Mapother, but he's actually Clark Gregg. The whole time he's been Clark Gregg. Wait, seriously? Wow. Yeah, he's the guy. If you know, I would have okay, sworn so the, that the was trailer Mapother. Is still fucking embedded in my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? It would he's make sense, in the right? Yeah. Jones Chronicles. He's yeah. He's in the Commish. He's a staff he's sergeant. They're in present danger. It's like we don't want this podcast to called- end. He's Dr. Oh. Walters in The Usual Suspect. He is a character called The Stranger in Sports Night. Mm. Let's just stop what we're doing and all watch that episode. I'm sorry, he's an FBI agent. Is that the uh, You're Wearing My Shirt, Dan episode or whatever the guy's name is? I I don't think so. Sorkin can be really good at times and yet problematic. Eli's coming, yeah. Um, what do you have for number four? My number four is the man himself, Agent Phil Coulson. Wow. Okay. Sorry, it's all somewhat going somewhere. 
all the way up to number four, A.G. Colson. Okay. I'm curious about your top three. I think I got to say, like, it's it's all arbitrary bullshit after this. But mm-hmm. uh, I got to say, his scenes are memorable enough that when they announced Agent Coulson is going to anchor an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, I remember thinking, like, A, that makes sense, and B, who the fuck cares? In a different reality, they do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a year later, and it's Maria Hill anchoring, right? Yeah. And Agent Coulson's just dead. That's how it is. Well, after season one of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was totally okay with that, that different reality. Yeah. I mean, I really I mean, like Ming the Win on that show. I really like Chloe Bennett, and like obviously those two characters kind of fill the Maria Hill role somewhat. But still, like I really like Maria Hill in this movie. Uh, well, like I gave up on Agents of Shield somewhere in season two, which I am shocked that I held on that long. I somehow stuck with it, and it actually got good. Yeah, yeah. Then that's, that's what I've heard. Um, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean, actually Hulk. got good. Same as Agent. Like, like legends of tomorrow got good where it's just like be honest with yourself uh anyway mm-hmm. my number four mr tony stank himself tony stark mm-hmm. i feel like we tower whedon writes him a little more dickish than i think he probably should be written um but i think he has he definitely has a better feel for tony than he does for steve i think whedon does um and I don't know. It's not like RJD is really flexing in this movie, but he definitely brings like a continuity to it that kind of ties everything together because he started us all. I am begging you to title this episode Stank Tower. It's done. It's a warm light for all mankind. Uh, My number three... (sighs) My number three and my number two are interchangeable. Mm. Um... My number three is arguably, well, not arguably, is concrete, definitively more important to me, uh, but it's Black Widow than okay. my number two. Um, so your number three is more important than your number two is what you're saying. It is. To me, it's more important. As far as the movie, I felt like my number two was more present, was more beloved by the Are you the end of the cap and Steve? Hmm, okay. Uh, you're half right. Um my yeah so black widow i just i thought scarjo was a fucking revelation in this movie i just realized Captain i, mean, I want to say person. yeah good job like i've had um, three screwdrivers here <laughs> only three well i mean they're, you have time. it's in you have like time. A, it's in a, like a pint glass so you know you, you have time to get more in there mm-hmm. just pack it in um people will appreciate it <laughs> um like I half remember her from Iron Man 2 and just like, you know, I feel like I was watching those scenes with like between my fingers, like my f- hands over my face, like screeching in terror. Mm. Like, please God, don't do this to the Marvel universe. Don't do this, this, this potential character. Mm. Um, and she's so good in this movie. And I don't know. Yeah. Black Widow, uh, Natasha Romanoff. She's fantastic in this movie. And it, they only, smartly fantastically go to better things with like winter soldier with her character i definitely feel like marcus and mcfeely those two writers i think they just get her character a little more yeah Mm -hmm. number three drew mcfeely i've got maria hill i fucking love maria hill in this movie i just she just so perfectly realized 
I have no idea what the comic book character is like, but I feel like the movie character I just understand immediately. She's super competent. I love her as a number number one, you know, or you know, number two, whatever type of character. Um, she's just great. I love Kobe Smulders in this. I wish she was in more Marvel movies. I hope she's in Infinity War because I've never not been happy when she makes an appearance. Even when she like popped up in Agents of Shield for a cameo, I was just like, yes. You know what's funny about that though? Mm. As you watch this whole movie, you didn't pick up on the fact that she was a ghost the whole time. Oh shit. She was just making sure that uh, the next person to date Captain America was worthy of him, right? Also, she's the mother. Mm. No, I'm sorry. She's she she's the mother's <laughs> sloppy seconds. Mm. She's the stepmother. How I met your stepmother. Um, which is kind of accurately the title of that show, which should be the title of that show. Yeah, that's, I've, that's a I've good like, number three. I've seen like one scene of that entire show, yeah, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I understand a lot of people hate the finale. I kind of see where they're going with the finale. I I can sympathize with the writers, I guess is what I would say, because it it kind of makes sense that they would have been setting it up from the beginning, but like in the in these seven or whatever how many seasons it took to get there, it, like it didn't work anymore. So here's, here's the the problem that I personally felt as a person who watched the finale, uh, six feet from where you sleep in your, uh, condo at the time is you went through the whole last season. Yeah. Seven feet. I don't know how far away is my bedroom. I'd say 12 or 13 at least. You really think so from your bedroom or from where, just where you slept from my bedroom. Okay, well, in my face. Um, is you spent the whole last season elongating over the course of like 21 episodes, the three days in which that character, Agent Maria Hill, was going to marry um, Dr. Horrible. Well, I guess that's that's the weird swerve is that she has this other romance. Yeah, You throw it all out. You introduce the actual mother and you write her and you, you, you illustrate her as being just fantastic and awesome. And then it all gets pushed out. I mean, I get what you're saying. Then she gets lady cancer. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I see where the writers are coming from and that there's this sort of like, kind of, I don't know, verite, like this is how life really works out. Kind of like, not all is the way you expect type of thing that maybe they were going for, but like people expect more than that from their TV show. Like, it can't have that weird sort of unorganic vibe to it. You know, it's possible that something can make sense on paper and feel wrong Mm -hmm. to an audience at the exact same time. And at the same time, I would make the argument that if you go back in time, we wouldn't have lady bird if we didn't have, what was it like? How I met your dad, like failing. Cause that was going to like, this is scorching hot right now. I love this. Yeah. How I, I Met Your Dad sounded really Glenn. interesting. Yeah. Well, or it should, should have been How I Met Your Father, though. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Sorry. Old but rant. I mean, like they they did one episode on the last season, which was basically How I Met Your Father with Christian Melody, Christina Melody, whatever the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, at the time Maloney? I remember thinking, you can do the stupid show. Who are you going to cast? Then they said Greta Gerwig, and I was like, "That's perfect. She's perfect. She's like, like I feel like two romantic comedies went back in time and illicitly like, like created a child who was going to be the ultimate romantic comedy, like, like being, and that's her. And then I'm so glad she escaped that. Viacom regrets that now or now. I don't know. 
Uh, who do you have for number two? It's it's gotta be Captain Steve. Cap, right? Yep. Cap and Steve together. Yep. Mm, okay. Yep. I mean, he definitely already. Oh, not not him together than me. He's one guy. Mm-hmm. I um, uh, I appreciate him living up to the fucking symbol at the end of the movie. Um, something about it it worked for me. It's a stretch to like paint him as like the hero slash leader of the team, but this is where your your boy, your man, your hunk, uh, Chris Evans, really worked for me. My God, those biceps! I think it's a wig. I, still do. I don't think it's a wig. It's so, too about, short to be a wig. Pecs? Those pecs are pecs? real, man. You can't fake that. But I mean, you can't are CGI there more pecs that. Are there more biceps. I mean, there's more biceps because- and pecs. There is no gratuitous shirtless scene in this, as far as I can recall, right? I mean, he's in like some some like size too small T-shirts, but that's about it. There's no scene where like him and Thor like accidentally bump into each other in the shower, which would have made a lot of sense. I'm trying to think. Like, we definitely get gratuitous Thor shots in a lot of these movies. I don't know if we've had Cap. Uh, okay, in, in the first Avenger, he's shirtless when he comes out of like his like transformation tube. But I think that's right. it. I don't know if we've had any besides that. Like there's yeah. no like civil war scene where he like takes off a shirt for no reason at all, which is probably a missed opportunity. Yeah, real misfire right there. Yeah, because they they are not shy about like oh Thor's got to take off a shirt or he wakes up naked for no reason at all or something like that. You know, I mean, you're telling me that like at no point at no point when they're on the run that Bucky and Falcon and Cap don't need to take, take a shower together. Mm-hmm. Outrageous! You are a fugitive, sir, and you are filthy. Cap has to show up at Falcon's house because his plumbing's out and yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My car broke down outside your house, and also I'm in a towel, and also I am just dirty. Uh, These movies write themselves. Yeah, number two. Surprising even myself that I ranked them this high, but uh, this is just I don't know what I was feeling. I got Bruce Banner. I got my man Mark Ruffalo. I just feel like his character is more carefully realized than the other characters. Okay. What? How do you figure? I feel like Joss is just paying a little more attention to the, like, interiority there. You know, he's got the whole, the, I don't know, realization of the whole, a, a warm light for our man, all mankind not applying to Tony thing. Mm-hmm. The, the classic line, you know, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. I feel like, Maybe subconsciously or not, Whedon is putting more effort into the characters, Hawkeye excluded, who haven't appeared yet as as mm. main features in Marvel movies. And I think they are better for it. Okay. So you figured you got this character, Bruce Banner, the Hulk, if you will, mm-hmm. the Incredible Hulk, if you really will, uh, played by newcomer uh, Mark Ruffalo, mm-hmm. not cheating on his wife. That we know. Possible sex addict. Mm-hmm. We know, possible sex addict. Not real. Uh, and you think that Joss Whedon looked into his script writerly palantir and he's like, well, I don't every time get what I want. Joss Whedon is like, sex addict, cheating on his wife. I got this. <laughs> that was on. Message. He's like, Mark, can you promise me you will not cheat on your wife for this role? Mark Ruffalo did that kind of like it's kind of a shrug. And Joss is like sold. 
I have gotcha. the feeling that Bruce Banner is like a really woke feminist. That's sort of the vibe I'm getting from him. How do you pair that against his time spent as the Hulk on Scar? What is Hulk's thing? You think Hulk's like a big Hannity bro? Like you think Hulk is like the fourth client of uh, Michael Cohen? Topical. No, I think I think Hulk is very egalitarian. He just okay. he smashes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get it, <laughs> Get it, Everyone's seeking that one gift right now, and I won't say anything more. Who do yeah. you have for number one? Um, in the words of Benjo Dark himself, mm-hmm. it's the guy. It's the asshole who Look, ties this like if you're gonna say, together. If you're gonna say Benjo, my Star Wars name is Benjo Lux. Okay. Benjo Lux. Mm-hmm. You are a warm light for all mankind, mm-hmm. burdened by glorious purpose. Uh, it's Tony Stark. I'm a smuggler. Um, I. Sorry, go ahead. Are you doing like weird things with your shoes and shit? Like, uh, like don't go no, for full. Benicio. There's no stutter. I just say that there's no stutter. Benjo Light has don't no go, stutter. Don't go. Don't go like Benicio del Dark or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Benicio is just like, uh, oh, you want me in this movie? I have a stutter. I dare you to to object to that. Right, Johnson's like, Lucasome, back me up. Can we fix this in post? <laughs> They're like, eh. Um, yeah, it's Tony Stark because somewhere halfway through the construction of this movie, the movie realized he was the star. And I I feel like rather than like a lot of characters like loosely inhabiting the role they should be in, and sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss. By the second half of the movie, to me, it, it works more. Like Tony Stark makes more sense. He is a prick, and you kind of take him into like selfless mode, which is interesting, at least for the future of the the role and for this movie. And like you said, he's he's the shit that brings it all together. He's the glue. So I'm not in love with this choice, but it's Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. I said Coulson is a glue, but sure. Well, I think you know who my number one is, if you've been paying attention. Black Widow. Black Widow. I make no bones about it. I am a Black Widow stan. I love Black Widow's character. She's my favorite Avenger. She's great in this movie. I feel like maybe I'm reading a lot into it of my own headcanon, but I think she has a lot of interiority and complexity to her character that the other characters don't have. I I think it's going to be very interesting trying to unlock the pro Black Widowness and the uh, 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 the shit to be delivered upon Tony Stark in Age of Ultron. Yeah, we're gonna have like the Red a Room lot to talk about in Age of Ultron for sure. When I mean, it comes to Black Widow. It's the Red Room versus the King's Ride. The King's Ride? The Carpe whatever. Yeah, Carpe uh King Bano yeah. ba- your wife. Prima yeah, Noctum, yeah. I think is what you Prima Noctum, yeah. thank you. Is it Red Room, not Red Room? Uh um, it's Red Room. The Red Room. Is the Red Room? Okay, cool. That's where she's trained, yeah. No, I love Black Widow in this movie. She, I, Scarlett Johansson doesn't get a lot of credit. I feel like she's putting way more energy into this role than she needs to, but I appreciate it. Yeah. And I feel like she's completely flirting with Cap through the whole thing. And, I, and not what? Bruce Banner. Sorry, Joss Whedon. I just, I'm not picking up what you're laying down there. Uh, I feel like if you're Scarlett Johansson, I mean, come on, at this point, you have done Ghost World. You're only taking Iron Man 2 to get at an Avengers, right? 
I wonder. I wonder why. I mean, supposedly they wanted Emily Blunt. They wanted some other people. But yeah, ScarJo got the role. I really liked her in Avengers 2. Or not Avengers 2. Uh, Iron Man 2. In retrospect, like I remember when I initially watched Iron Man 2, I was like, oh, like it feels weird that they're like wedging in this Avengers stuff into this Iron Man movie. But in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that's the stuff that works and not this Mickey Rourke shit, you know? Yeah. And all of it is just to launch her music career, too. I mean, that's, they had a decent single off that album, her and uh, that one dude. Pete Yorn? Mm-hmm. Is it Pete Yorn? Pete Yorn. Relator. Ooh, she also has a band of Haim and Holly Miranda and some other people. Wow, she, she is. has a band of Haim. She's going there. Mm-hmm. Was she... Ooh, in the Taylor Swift was, squad? I don't believe so, no. I was going to say she was unfortunate in the Ryan Reynolds squad. Best forgotten. I'm mm, sorry. I, I think she uh, legally divorced herself from that squad. He's he's in a real Deadpool of her squad. Mm. Uh, Horse Whisperer? She's been in some movies. Boston Translation. Yeah, Age of Underrated Wolf, actress, I feel like. Yeah. For realsies. When she got to go play Lucy Hale in that movie, Lucy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then I guess there was a Ghost in the Shell movie, which was um, didn't see it. I have it, but didn't see it. Not too positively received. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to talk about Age of Ultron. I am too. I have lots of thoughts, especially about Black Widow and Age of Ultron. Uh, would you recommend the Avengers? Of course. I mean, well, let me ask you: this. Me- Would you recommend this to people who hadn't seen the other movies? Like if you've never seen uh, Thor or Iron Man or Iron Man Two mm-hmm. or The Incredible Hulk or just the Hulk or also Captain, Captain America, America the First Avenger, the First Avenger, yeah, yeah, I would. Um, you could probably skip most. You could maybe watch like Iron Man One yeah, in this yeah, movie and say, not miss anything at you all. You can see Iron Man One, and that's all you need to know. Enough said. As as I say in Marvel, enough said. Mm. Um, Excelsior. For sure, like Excelsior. I'll sue anyone who declares I'm being elder abused. Um, Were you like me where you read all the stupid letters to the editor in those uh, old X-Men books? I did. God damn. That was was where I was at, Uh, man. You find out some interesting shit in those letters to the editor. Also some real flippin' asshole editors. But like, that was the shit about comic books in our age. Nowadays, I think comic books are basically marketed to like the juvenile... 30 year old who has the mindset of a 14 year old. I mean, I don't know who day. the fuck comic books are for anymore. It's definitely not actual 14 year olds. So. Also, they're very horny, horny adults mm-hmm. who, who buy the comics. But I think back in our day, they were sold to basically the smart 14 year old who also bought them young. But it was all about like just juicy, like literacy in the country. I mean, you could buy them in their fucking supermarket. And I don't know. It was just, it was. I don't know. I haven't actually looked at literacy rates in the 90s compared to now, but I feel like they were definitely bolstered by mm. prevalence of comic books and just how much you could absorb them. And I had a fucking comic book addiction back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents were not too happy about that. Uh, though I never really, I never really read Avengers comics. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I don't. I believe knew the show I was happening. Like, single... Operation Galactic Storm. I'm pretty sure I never bought a single Avengers comic. 
I think my grandmother, I had told her I was into the X-Men and she got me a Fantastic Four subscription for a year instead, which was Ooh, awkward. Your grandmother was like, fuck you, Sonny. I would, once a month, I would make sure to intercept that issue of Fantastic Four in the mail and throw it away. Didn't even read it, just threw it away because I was like embarrassed that she had gotten the wrong comic book for me. Got a real Ike Perlmutter here. You were embarrassed? I don't know. For it's you? Just, for, for her, I guess. And for me. You're like this is, a real, this is a real stain on our house. Yeah. Wow. Stain okay. on the house of light. I mean, there was a period in my life where like, I remember being younger than I was when I really got into comics, where I would like beg my parents to take me to the comic shop back when there was actual real comic shops that weren't just like houses for Magic the Gathering or whatever. And like, I didn't care if it was like the quarter rack. You know, like the, I remember there would be racks where it was like you could get 10 comics for like a buck 50. And I would just beg my parents, please, good God, give me a buck 50. And they'd be like, fine. And I would just pour through. I didn't care. The covers, whatever, like the little blurb on the cover was. I was so hungry for comics um, at that point. And I was like eight, nine. I, I, you know, and I read too. I read actual prose. So you were, you were pre X-Men cartoon. Cause that was what got me oh, into yeah, comics. Yeah. It was pre X-Men okay. cartoon. Um, uh, I think probably Batman was my gateway mm-hmm. comic drug. I, I remember buying, cause okay. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Without looking on the internet, was the X-Men cartoon before or after X-Men number one? You know the one I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I do know the one you're talking about. Off the top of my head, I would say they were very close together, but I would put the X-Men cartoon before. I'm not sure if I'm right or not. Yeah, we got to check that. I remember just like there was some kind of defining stupid fucking moment in my life that was that was based about going to the comic shop and buying X-Men number one. I mean, I definitely remember watching the X-Men cartoon at like a friend's house and just being like, oh, my God, this is amazing. X-Men are awesome. Yeah. Avengers, not so much, although I did like their video game. Dun, 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 dun. That was the different vision. That was the like white vision, the white colored. I don't think we're going to get that ever, which is fine. Mm-hmm. The, the other vision's more interesting visually. The the one they're drawing in for the actual Avengers movies? Yeah. Wasn't, I want to say in one of the stupid X-Men movies recently, somebody had that ringtone, the, uh, the X-Men old school ringtone. Yeah. Uh, those fucking movies. Okay. You still Googling? You Googling the yeah, dates of I've, X-Men number one versus X-Men the cartoon? I've been drinking, so this is going more slowly. Yeah, you're doing the math now in your head. You're like, <laughs> dates, what are these? So when people talk about, um, like, like, hey, how come there aren't episodes of Time Travel and Murder Mystery? Mm-hmm. All I remember we did like a is, solid hour and a half of just drunk X-Men talk. I remember that for sure. You're being so sweet. It was like three hours of X-Men <laughs> talk. Heavily bolstered by uh, looking at the fucking uh, uh, like Wikipedia. Okay. And vodka. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, X-Men won from October of 1991. Mm, All right. That's pretty early. Uh, that might be before then. Because I'm pretty sure I was like probably 12 or 13 by the time the X-Men cartoon aired. Yep, October 92. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember buying like the third printing of, of X Men One and just being thankful to have it. And that was like that was peak comic books. That was after that the comic book industry just like folded. Like Image Comics debuted, and the no, comic not industry quite. just folded. Everything it di- went. It didn't fold quite yet because you're not long after. You're discounting the rise of the like deluxe Marvel comics. I don't know if you remember when X Men published deluxe issues that were printed. Uh, on uh, like the nice paper that is that is the band playing music on the deck of the titanic as it's like tipping over it like amazing. it was all, all saying. folding mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean like like i remember i i somewhere locked away i have the um oh shit fuck i forgot what it's called um one of the fucking like crossovers where it's like all foil and like Phalanx? all kinds of Phalanx, yes, the Phalanx Covenant. Yeah, I had that fucking shit. And it was like, oh shit, this cover is gorgeous. I want to have sex with it. I'm a weird pubescent boy. And it's just like, meanwhile, like somebody's having a uh, like stock market crash in their company and like shit's going critical. And it's like the big short in like Marvel Comics Inc. And they're like, oh good God, sell off like the Fantastic Four to like some movie company. No, you, you got nothing here. You hadn't arrived yet until you got to the chromium covers where that shit was like four dollars an issue. Do you remember chromium? Do you remember somewhere after Terminator 2, uh James Cameron turned in a pitch for Spider-Man in which like a heavy duty aspect of it was Spider Sex. Well, it's not just that he like he took away the subtext of the web shooters being like a masturbation illusion and made it text. So I, I it was a there was never a full screenplay. There was just like there a was, treatment where like ten min, ten pages of the treatment were like spider sex. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're done talking about the Avengers. <laughs> I think we've been done for a while. I hope everyone's enjoyed this little trip down memory lane as we talked about the comic books of our youth. You poor bastards. Uh, so. Next oh, do we do week, a make one change? Uh, I don't do it. I don't think we did. What would your change be? I don't know. I don't know if I can make one. I mean, like, again, this movie, I know it's only been like five years, but this movie feels like it's at least 10 years old to me. So I feel like if I pull out a thread, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to unravel the whole tapestry. I guess I would just say shorten each action scene by like 20%, maybe. Like, I feel like they could all be tightened up. And you wouldn't really miss anything. I mean, that's, I think you'd probably say that for every single Marvel movie. And you wouldn't really be an error in any of them. Like, God, especially the next movie we're going to watch for next week, Age of Ultron. Like, that last action sequence goes on and on and on for a long time. And it probably doesn't need to. I would make the argument this has some of the most mediocre action sequences. That's because at this point, Whedon is. No offense, a TV director like he, you see, oh, yeah. you see the limitations of his uh, visual style here in a lot of these scenes, especially when we get to the Battle of New York and it's like everything's happening on this one strip of highway in Cleveland. He's not got a like a tremendous amount of like style per se. He's a TV yeah. director yeah. of which his most stylistic moment is still the body. Um, and TV is really, it's where the producer lives. It's where the screenwriter lives still. Like you have visual like control over things. Uh, you don't have that in movies, especially in big franchise movies where you have like, 
an action team who takes over for the action sequences and uh there's just a massive difference between what's happening here and like the the, the first 10 minutes of like winter soldier mm-hmm. all right yeah well, so um but I, I think it's better in, in in ultron so yeah next week ultron next week ultron the week after that obviously infinity war spoilers whatever um, maybe Trooper dare next week I might see that tomorrow, so sure. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Truth or dare. Yeah. I've heard it has a bonkers ending. We'll see. How bonkers could it be? Alright, well, until then, um I can't think of a good sign off. Bye bye. Excelsior!